everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Strackbine. Hey, hey, welcome back, Matt. Thanks. Glad to be back with you guys. Yeah. I know. We had an episode last week without you. Welcome back. Your dream. Yeah, so like I say every week, give us a review if you're enjoying the show. You know, everything that we do on the show is for free, and we put a lot of work into it. Tonight, we're actually recording on a Friday night because we're working around our schedules it's also hey. in the middle of a tropical storm. I know. We also had a <laughs> we also had a huge storm in Houston this week, but that's all right because I'm having a good Friday evening now. I've got some beer. I've got some Abe Sapien comics and all my best friends around. So friends. it's going to be a great time. Follow us on social media. Like all of our posts. And it's easy to join our listener feedback section. All you have to do is leave a comment. And then you're part of the book club and friendship. Tell them all about it, Danielle. We tell you where you're going to read a story, and then you read the story, and then we're going to talk about it. And then you listen to it, and then you, you're you going to talk about it because you're going to send us, hey, damn guys. And then we, that's a book club. <laughs> and friendship. Back to you, John. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I also wanted to say happy belated birthday to Mike Mignola. This happy week birthday. was his birthday. birthday. I wish I would have thought about this before we recorded our last episode because it was like the next day, I think. Happy birthday. Yeah, exactly. We have so much respect and admiration for you, and we uh, really appreciate everything that you've done, and you've created so much wonderful, amazing stories and art, and we love it. So happy birthday to you. Hope it was a good one. Back to you again, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, On Twitter, I had shared some stuff for Mignolo's birthday, and Omin actually retweeted something. What? That's awesome. And he said, you know, he was saying happy birthday to Mike Mignola and giving him a lot of praise. And then at Rev Andy Carlson said, replying to Omin and us, suspiciously high praise for a man who killed you and then launched you into space so your corpse could host an apocalyptic ectoplasm caterpillar. Um, from the Conqueror Worm, well, right? Because like he was that, named because yeah. he Omin, and then Omin responded, and he said, "Being the Conqueror Worm has been my highest privilege." Nice, nice. <laughs> so I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, and I also wanted to talk about the Rose City Comic Con, Matt. So you were at Rose City Comic Con. There were a bunch yep. of Mignolaverse artists there, also, and then our book club member Nathaniel Green. He book was, club member. Yeah, he was posting book all these member. awesome pictures. With you and Ross Radke. Ross Radke, book club member. Did you see yeah. the one of uh, Nathaniel and um, Gabriel Ball and Fabio Moon? Yeah, he posted one with them that and Ryan cool. Sook and all these other people. So yeah, thank you, Nathaniel, for doing that. And there was one picture that I really loved. So it looked like you drew a sketch for Nathaniel, right, Matt? It had like... Yeah, him and Hellboy. Yeah, and oh, so he caught up with Ryan Sook on Sunday when I wasn't there. That's awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, he had a picture of him and Ryan Sook. We couldn't track him down on Saturday. Huh. I don't think he had an official table. Oh, okay. And uh, But I, I love this picture so much because Nathaniel, in all his pictures, he has this very like animated, super oh, excited yeah. look. And Matt just has this kind of like very kind of serious face. I don't know. It's just very funny. It was just a very humorous <laughs> picture to have you and Nathaniel side by side. He's holding up this little sketch that you drew for him. It was just really great. I really loved that. So I'm I'm not good at cell phone pictures or selfies i don't know what to do but but uh his facial expression that is the perfect that's his entire personality he is a fun fun guy like ross he and i made 
we were friends right away, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. And it was like, yeah, it was like we'd always known each other. Aww. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's nice. Bringing, bringing yeah, people and, together. Well, we kept saying, like, we're sitting around nerding out about Hellboy comics, mostly uh, more current stuff because there's still some speculating to do there. Yeah. But we were, we were talking about it, and we kept saying, wow, we could do this every day we could do this once a week yeah yeah <laughs> we're, we're like this just feels so natural and it, it was great yeah those guys are awesome wow. i'd be hanging out with them right now if, you know if we were in closer proximity sure it was sure really fun. what an excellent cool. little community we've got going on. yeah and ross and i walked the con and did a panel uh, all day saturday wow nice. that's yeah awesome. we had a great time Actually, we talked to Katie O'Brien, the current Hellboy editor, Ooh. for like a half an hour. Cool. That's awesome. Wow. Any, uh, and, and, anything to... Any scoops? Yes, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> no, no, but I pitched the idea of having like a Hellboy con, right? Tight. Oh. And she said, she said, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I just don't know where we would do it. And I immediately recommended we do it at my house the first year, at least, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, but, you know, anyway, that not realistic, but... <laughs> <laughs> she she thought that idea was cool and it was just fun to like talk about Hellboy and stuff with her. Like she's the editor of the comics, but right. she oversees all of the Hellboy merchandise. Oh wow, okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. Even like the Hellboy board game. Right. Like right. um That's a lot of work you know, too. Jeez. Like the the buzzard piece. Yeah, I think it's a buzzard, right? Mm-hmm. There's like like the evil the... turkey or whatever? Yes, that the turkey. So, yeah. Yeah, they they had to give them notes about the angle of the head. Wow. And the way oh, wow. It, the, the direction it faced and all that and they're like it's got to be like the comic. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. And she's just really nice, you know. She's she's a cool person all around, so like it was that. fun. That's awesome. What other Hellboy universe people did you meet? Oh, okay. So the night before I left, I, I was like, how am I going to, because I ended up talking to like eight Hellboy contributors. Right, I mean, right. Because I wanted to get something and report back, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was like, what am I going to ask him? How am I going to ask him? So the night before I left, it occurred to me, just write two quick questions, have it be the same for everyone. It ended up being like a third of a sheet of paper. Okay. And and it's just a multiple choice and a scale of one to ten. And I was like, there's no way they can't answer these, right? Right. So I talked to Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. Awesome. Nice. Dave Johnson. Great. Uh, yeah, I love him. So I thought his name was Chris Robertson. It's Chris Roberson. 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 Okay. okay. Thank you for that. I, We're always working yeah. on our yeah, name yeah. correction. Right. Make I know sure how. We do it right if we can. Yep. It's important. Christopher Mitten, Chelsea Kane, nice. Mindy Lee. Mindy Lee. We haven't got to Mindy Lee, Roberson, or Mitten yet. Right, no. They have um, great and stuff. And probably, yeah. yeah, probably not Chelsea Kane either. And, of course, Katie O'Brien. So the questions I asked him was, one, what was your favorite part about working on Hellboy books? Super easy, right? But it's a multiple choice. Right. A, working with such great characters. B, the opportunity to work with Mike Manola. C, the experience itself. D, other. And I gave him like a space to write. Okay. And then uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your level of excitement as a contributor in the Hellboy universe? Nice. So so Moon and Ba had the exact same answers. They said their favorite part was the opportunity to work with Minola. Nice. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Right. And they both rated their experience a 10. Wow. And then... uh, It shows in their work. It shows. I know. Yeah, and, and they were saying that they're always hoping to get back to Vampire. 
Right. Well, yeah, there's yeah. so many I mean, things with Anders. Their enthusiasm yeah. But there's so many. I want them to get back to it because there's so many things with Anders that are still left kind of out there. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that Nathaniel Green posted on thing that he asked them about Anders? Yeah, he said something like that. They wanted to do it again, but they got so much other stuff on their plate right now. Oh, okay. What wow. was? What, where did we last leave this character? He 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 went into fairy world on a giant bear, or what happened? Yes. Okay. Oh, I yeah. thought he got back from the bear. Well, yeah, we they they revealed that the bear was a person. The bear is right? a person. That's right. Okay, yeah. what we're now? Where did we end up with that guy? That was it. That's it. That was a, just that short story. Yeah, yeah. So Sorry. they volunteered that information to me separately. Nice. I talked to them at different times, and that's they great. both brought it up. Sure. Oh, wow. Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson had the exact same answers. Loved the opportunity to work with Manola and rated his experience. I mean, at yeah. 10. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Roberson circled all of the multiple choice. Nice. <laughs> and then he wrote his favorite part was all of it. It's the best job in comics. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. And he rated his experience on a scale of one to 10, 11. Nice. We love to hear Uh, it. Mitten did the same thing. He had to answer, or he said, working with such great characters, the experience, and working with Manola, and gave it a 10 and said, couldn't have asked for a better time. Wow. That's That's so good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's excellent. Chelsea Kane commented on, so she did like a short story, like a prose mm-hmm. story, and she commented on that. She said she loved writing teen lids. Oh, and then, man. Yeah. And, and then she rated her experience seven and three quarters. So, <laughs> could have, maybe could have been better, could have been worse. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Katie O'Brien said all of them working with such great characters, the experience working with Manola and working with amazing contributors and rated her experience ten. Nice. Excellent. And then, and so Mindy Lee, um, Mindy Lee hasn't really worked in comics before this. Oh, okay. Before... This was her. This was her breakout shit. Her comics. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sa- same thing with um, Santiago Caruso. I'm just saying for this to be the first project that you're working on as a fucking artist. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is where you cut your teeth. <laughs> like, and wait, wait till you get to that story. Awesome. Yeah. Because once you get there, you'll be. You, I mean, you wouldn't know it was her first time. Right, you, right. She's a pro. So no, yeah, of course. Said, I'm not trying to... Because I haven't read it yet, obviously, but I just... Um, but no, I see your point. That's I mean, so that's cool. Like, that's are you that's awesome. Me? Yeah, yeah, man. Her favorite part was working with such great characters, uh, and she rated her experience at 10, but then she wrote that she really liked working with John Arcudi. It was yeah. a great honor. I learned nice. so much about pacing and storytelling from his script. The chemistry of the characters was so good as well. I hope I'll have the opportunity to work with him again. Wow, nice. that's great. Yeah, nice. yeah John so that, Cudi is often the unsung hero of the Mignola oh, yeah. books. Yeah. Oh man, oh, I love his writing. Not here though. Yeah, not, not here. here. Yeah. So that's it. That's uh, that's my field reporting. That's that's all I got for awesome. you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for field that. That's report. great. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, it was really fun. And then we went and hung out at the uh, gigantic brewery that night and had a bunch of Hellboy beers. In the pictures, they look green. I heard you guys say that you thought the A beer looked green. Yes, it it's did. It's actually it's blue. Okay. Oh, okay. He. Yeah, they were. Well, they said indigo. Okay. Okay. Oh. Huh. So I guess they're trying to make it look like water, but well, it definitely oh. looked green. Well, in, uh, it depends in the photo. on. Dave Stewart will color him either kind of a more warm green or a more of a cool bluish green, depending on who's drawing the series. I guess maybe they talk about that, like, oh, I I would like it if in this particular, you know, color palette we have him be this. So 
when you picture Abe, when I say Abe Sapien, what mm-hmm. tone is he? Is he a more cooler bluish green or more of a yellowish, warmer green? Bluish. Yeah, bluish, for me definitely. too. Bluish. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Almost teal at times, yeah, but yeah. not not quite. Right. Well, some people will put him a kind of almost like a, an olive green in the books. Right. Well, not some people. Mm. I guess that's all Dave Stewart, isn't it? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I don't know how he decides like <laughs> what story he's going to look like this and what story he's going to look like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This was the thing is while we were hanging out, we kept saying that we wish you guys were there, the Aww. three of you. Oh, it would have been so much fun. That would have been great. Friendship. That would have been fun. And we met a new Hellboy fan while we were there. Oh, That's awesome. Honorary, honorary book club member. Yes. Kevin Hanna. Okay. And honorary book club member. Kevin Hanna, Kevin book Hanna. club member. Awesome. Yeah, and he would like like lean over and go, hey, Matt, how many people have been in the sledgehammer armor? And I'm like, <laughs> I love these questions, you know? So, <laughs> yes, dude. And then I would answer him and he goes, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy or whatever. So it was really fun. I mean, we just sat there geeking out the whole time. That is so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it was That's so fun. Know, this is something blast. John would think about. So I, Whereas I don't want to. For me, I'm always like, I wonder what Liz dreams about. Like, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very like. Yeah. What's that? Well, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but yeah. We went deep on a couple of places okay. where I was stumped. Okay. Oh. And I was like, I, I said, I don't know, man. I just don't think that was revealed. I don't, I don't think they, they told us what that meant. Hmm. Right. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then there was other, other times where I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to go look it up. You know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm. So anyway, I'm I glad love that stuff we like have that. a new. Uh, that's awesome. New book club member. Yeah. That's that's yeah, great. It was killer. Welcome to really the club. Good time. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have to uh, off the air. You're gonna have to tell me what those uh, questions were that y'all were talking oh, about. Oh yeah. I want to okay, know. Okay. I will. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback section. Get out, trade some floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along in time. Get out. We had a Hey You Damn Guys from Brian Levy. Hey You Damn Guys. Hello. He said, hey, you damn guys, I'm really loving going through the Abe Sapien series with you all. It's so nice to hear people actually talking about this stuff. I so wish this podcast had been coming out when these issues were being published. I think John also wishes that. I know. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have been such a grump about the series. Every month I was expecting to learn Abe's big secret. And every month I'd be disappointed that the series seemed to be going nowhere. Or at least nowhere I wanted it to go. But I think my concept of what a good story is was way too limited. I'm also aware now that I'm almost 30 that what fans want out of a series might not actually be what makes a series good. Trusting the creators is a way to go. Exposition and internal mythology definitely aren't as important as you think it was. What's wrong with watching Abe Sapien eat quesadillas and drinking beer with new friends? (laughs) What makes that less important than learning what numyabisk is? In a lot of ways, learning who Abe is when he's just shooting the shit with people, is even more important than the big exposition stuff. Yeah, because the MacGuffin is an excuse to go on a journey. It's yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the story itself is what you're there for. So, yeah. And I, I appreciate it, too, because the whole big, long fucking exposition shit, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Can we get back to the characters interacting with each yeah. other? <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> If it wasn't for chilled out scenes like that, learning his place in the universe wouldn't mean as much when we eventually get there. He'd just be an important fish man instead of our complicated buddy. Yeah. 
Anyway, thanks for putting on the show all the time. It really is the greatest. Also, a little note Aww. on my library science graduate program. All of my classmates are giant comic fans. Nice. Hell nice. yeah. Cool. Excellent. New librarians seem to universally love their comic books, which makes Fuck me yeah. really happy. Excellent. Also, I already got hired at his library. Hey! I, was, I already hey, got hired at his library. Yeah. How cool is that? Nice. All right. Wait. That's great. That's awesome. I'll be at 53rd Street, New York Public Library branch starting in October. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. That's so for any of you New York Book Club members... Know that I have successfully infiltrated the New York Public Library system. <laughs> Hail cool. Satan, Brian Levy. Hail Satan, Brian Levy. The thing you got to keep in mind, especially with Abe, it feels like they're dragging it out at times. Right. But then again, they always say, oh, it caught up to us way faster than we expected it to. Mm, no, I right. actually, yeah, I really do feel that when the series does kind of get to where it's going, I'm like, wow, that seemed like it happened quickly. But yeah, yeah. Well, I was reading in the uh, board to this one that we're about to do. They talked about how like they could have gone on longer, but they were wrapping up like um, Hellboy and Hell around at the same time. Okay, okay. so they kind of wanted to just kind of do the same thing, right? Right, yeah. right. and then say something about like you know and ending while you're still good instead of dragging on it's sure. yeah and sure. that's important to yeah. yeah we also had a hey you damn guys from paul from gardaharn hey, hey paul, paul from gardaharn he said great coverage on the ape sapien series i wanted to let you know that specifically your discussion of the shape of things to come and to the last man storylines really helped me enjoy them more when I read them previously, I didn't love them, and it was only reading along with that episode that I caught lots of things I missed on my own, like the themes around change, and the ram and the father, and I had even missed Elena becoming a goat herself. Wow. Embarrassing. I uh. usually get this feeling of satisfaction when I finish reading a new Mignolaverse story, like a job well done. I hadn't felt that with these two storylines until now, so thank you. That's great. Well, you know what? You heard awesome. it here first. Hellboy Book Club, bringing people together with the books that they love. Yeah. Yep. And he also said, from this week's episode, I wanted to point out that I think the house and the dry creek bed from that bottom panel, you know how they keep showing that yeah. panel in the right. garden? I even right. posted about it on Instagram. He said, it's meant to represent the ship or the ark in the waves of the oh, water. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the house oh, kind of cool. looks like the ship hmm. in that huh. angle. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I'd also like to chip in on the Santa Muerte worshippers in sacred places. I think the Mexican assassins from Breaking Bad were devotees. That's right. No, oh, you know yeah, what? That's, right. that's yeah. the thing. That's he said, I love true. the scene where they crawl on their bellies to the shrine. Super freaky. Love right. y'all, Paul. Thank you, Paul from Gardaharn. It's yeah. always wonderful to hear from you. We love you. We had some more feedback on our recent Ape Sapien stories. Ryan Yule said, I started reading the new Ape Sapien series starting with issue 13 because there's that top banner that proclaims starting point for new readers. I was pretty lost jumping in at that point, however. So, of course, I went back and read it from the beginning. Well played, Dark Horse. Haha, <laughs> 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 yep. And so, Ryan was telling me the Duke Sports Bar and Grill... Where Abe Sapien wears that green hoodie, it was five minutes from his work. That's fucking oh, wow. wild. So he went and he ate lunch That's there. That's fucking wild. They didn't have any green hoodies for sale, which makes sense because it's 97 degrees right. out. Yeah. But I did buy a blue t-shirt. And so they do Excellent. sell shirts That's that great. have the logo on it. And I was Good like, job, he man. was messaging me while he was actually there. And I was like, tell them that they're in an Abe Sapien comic. And he goes... And then later I was like, do they even know? And he goes, they have no idea. They don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we could bring That's the issue awesome. by and like show them and yeah. be like, hey, you're in a thing. 
That's neat, though. That's that's cool. Yeah, I thought um, that was so cool. Man. And hey, here's an interjection. We haven't had a, a intro from any of you's bozos in a while. Yeah, so we send need us a bozo. in your send us in your intros. <laughs> record us a little message, you pals of mine, and uh, record us a little message. And how does that work, John? How do you? What do you do? Um, just record yourself saying your name and that you're listening to the Hellboy Book Club podcast, or you could be, you know, as creative with it as we've you want. We've had some pretty creative yeah, we've had shit. Some good too, ones, so yeah. The bar is rather high, but you know, I don't think... feel intimidated by that. We just want to hear your lovely voices. That's all. Yeah, Nathaniel Green did like a spot on John Hurt impression. Amazing. Remember that Incredible. one? That, that was, was a good one. one. Really good, yeah. actually. Oh, that was him. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Him. I thought it was John fucking Hurt. We also had some feedback from Jen Niklas. He said Jen Niklas. He, he wanted to come back and talk about the picky eaters again. Book club oh, yeah. He said, he said I, I know at least three picky eaters. Right. Very picky. All of them family and all of them are like, no, I don't want to eat that. Tastes bad. And I was often enough the leftover eater. It does happen at least nice. in my family. So I can relate <laughs> with Aubrey. And nope, nothing else to add. <laughs> When I say that Abe is more relaxing, there's not a strong plot to connect stuff, but more collection of ideas, with Abe doing the Hellboy and stumbling across stuff. That's the Abe Sapien series at heart for me. The guy who has the freedom Hellboy hasn't and stumbles into stuff. Also, Snake Sapien sounds like the third brother of Solid Snake, and now I want a Metal Gear Hellboyverse crossover. Oh, yeah. Snake! (laughs) That they would have ultimate good, meme yeah. potential. Yeah, it's true. And he's and he also said Snake Sapien could also be a perfect fanfic character. Hey. He's Abe's sexy fish monster brother. There you go. He mutated before Call did because for reasons and was always the sexier of the two. And now he's back to save the world. And he's gay. That's canon. <laughs> That's canon. I, you know. Let's be honest. In other companies, he would already be a thing. That's true. Snake yeah. Sapien, the world's most awesome guy. And of course, he wears radical sunglasses. Tight. Oh, of course. <laughs> and for the picky eaters thing, some people are just like sensitive, like you have sensitive hearing or something like that. I don't know. I feel like some people taste more or different or they're just, it's too much for them. Like there they can't is a thing handle like, like sensory a super, overload. There's a thing called a super taster. Super taster, sure. Or right. something like that. Even if you're not a super taster, like sometimes you're sensory, you can just have a hard time with certain uh, textures or or tastes or sounds or or even like lights too much light or whatever right people who get migraines and stuff or um stuff like that or it could be your palate expands the way that your musical tastes For expand sure. like yeah, your, your ears get bigger your taste buds get bigger so because i'm a huge pickles fan right we talk about this a lot i love pickles oh yeah we got pickle the good fan. pickles Wait, right now you and, like pickles yeah I had no idea. nobody <laughs> knew john didn't used to like them and so like over the course oh, yeah, of no, nine true. years now he is now like the he likes pickles more than I do. He's a big pickle fanatic, so it's very you know you never know you never yeah. know what could happen. Just you know, <laughs> love everybody, love your friends, even if they're a picky eater, love them. All right. I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was putting pickles on my burgers and I was like, wait, didn't John used to not like pickles? Now I fucking love. Well, I think about this. Now at we home. have literally we have like eight jars of pickles in our fridge, and I am not exaggerating. Well, I don't, but I still don't like them on burgers. That's fine. You don't I have was, to. I'll have it on the side. I'm cool with I, that. You know. All right. And uh, we also had some good feedback from Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Book Club member. I often wonder what people sound like, Matt. What does Ross yeah. sound like? Totally normal guy. Nice. <laughs> normal. <laughs> yeah, well, he. so he's very, very nice. He's a really friendly, outgoing guy. As we uh, expected. What, I mean, yeah, of course. That's awesome. Whereas, like, Nathaniel's, like, real high energy, which I love, <laughs> nice. you know? 
He's, he's like, like one of those guys where it's like, oh man, you know, we could probably get into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have many friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. But Ross is uh just totally chill, man. Nice. He's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds like y'all y'all were able to balance balance each other out there. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Ross- every every group needs needs both of those guys. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it does. You're absolutely yeah. right. Ross said Max Fumara's Abe is incredible. His exaggerated style is perfectly suited for the character. I almost bought an Abe Sapien page from him a couple years ago, but ended up getting this Star Wars piece instead. And so he has a page that um, Max Fumara did for a Star Wars series. It has like a... The Tusken Raiders. Yeah, the Tusken Raider on it. And then so um, it was really cool on Twitter... Max Fumara actually responded to that tweet, and he was like, "Oh, I love that page. Thank you so much." So yeah, I thought that was really nice. awesome. It was a really good page. Yeah, Ross also said, "You damn guys really don't know Arm Fall Off Boy." <laughs> I know who he is. I but I'd never read a comic with him in it. Please tell me you've at least heard of Matter Eater Lad. Matter Eater Lad is one of the most relatable of all superheroes. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Ma- no, Matter Eater Lad? What? He just can yeah. eat whatever. Like he can eat anything, right? Like a fence or whatever. Or like <laughs> So weird. <laughs> anyway, go check out Matter Eater Lad, you guys. I'm going to have to now because I looked up the arm fall off jackass. <laughs> <laughs> what, what publisher put out those comics was that like part of the flaming carrot head or mystery man or something no on fall off boy was part of the uh the legion of superheroes uh, oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> that reaction is priceless D team that's great wow. yeah, D-team. i think it was i think <laughs> it was sure i think it was in the 80s or 90s when it happened what and he looked like a big arnold schwarzenegger dude you know i was just like why are they calling this guy a boy <laughs> <laughs> he also said wow. The Garden is a challenging comic book, both in presentation and content, which is probably why it's the Abe story I remember most. Nearly every BPRD story involves evil in a paranoid or sci-fi nature, but apart from Abe's presence, this horror story could happen in our world. It's one of the most unsettling events in the entire Hellboy universe, precisely because we know things like this happen. It crosses the line from metaphorical demons to real-world trauma in a way that could turn off some readers. I can't remember if it was Matt who said the Abe series seemed like a bit of an experiment in tone and style. I think it reminds me a bit of Breaking Bad with its bleak trajectory and bottle episodes. Honestly, I think it's Scott Alley's strongest work as a writer. Wow, that's high yeah. praise. Yeah, yeah talk- I would say that it's as if other comics have like a self-awareness that they are, in fact, a comic book. Right. And well, Yeah, some, some and comics what makes- really do, yeah. What makes Abe stand out is that it feels like someone made a comic that exists outside of that mindset, if if that makes sense. Like, right. yeah. like there's a story being told that happens to be a comic instead of it being a comic book story. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. And so every now and then you see like – like do you guys know the traditional nine-panel grid? Have we ever talked about this? I don't think so. Yeah, but um, so you old, have, old school comics have the yeah that traditional kind yeah of, or uh, page layout like, pattern. Yeah, like if you read the Watchmen, it's yeah. all over it. It's yeah, three rectangular panels and three rows of three rectangular panels, nine panels. So then, if you combine two, you can get one larger panel. If you combine two rows, you can get half a page or right, two thirds right. of a page okay. or whatever. So then you look at some of the panel layouts in Abe Sapien, and it's like, well, hold on. You're not doing the nine-panel grid at all. Right, yeah. It's almost like you said, 
Um, you know what? We need a new panel. Can we add a panel here? Right. <laughs> well, that's you know, something that like... I've always been fascinated by is is people who take the sequential illustration medium to a different fucking level. I've always been drawn to artists who right. there's not like even panels on some page. It's just like it gets really creative, you know, with a lot of indie artists specifically that, that they really get creative with page layout. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see creative use of page layout like that I, I go absolutely apeshit and nerd out over it because yeah. it's just such a you know there's yeah, when, you never stop you never stop exploring ways to tell stories i mean that is like some revolutionary shit that's amazing yeah i just think they put focus on the fact that there's a juxtaposition of words and images yeah not oh it's a comic book right you know but and in hindsight like if you get all the way through abe I think in hindsight you could easily look back and go well yeah totally a hellboy universe book right, right. sure but would you guys agree that at this point, the tone feels different than any other Hellboy Universe book that we've read? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I would agree. Yeah, especially this one that we're going to talk about today. That yeah. actually brings me back, though. Like, I'm sorry to keep staying on this topic, but Mike Mignola himself, in a lot of ways, really raised the bar and raised the medium to a new level with his work because, I mean, his shit is fine art. I figured it was pertinent, though, to the conversation to yeah, I think... say that the re- he he's the one who attracted all these various artists and writers and all this stuff. And so then it became a whole thing of its own. And it's now it's got its own momentum and it's shooting off yeah. branches with all these other artists and all this stuff. And so I feel like you know, is... all these people are here for a reason. There's there's they wouldn't be here if they weren't top of their class. He is a comic book artist comic book artist you know what i mean like yeah he is the envy of all other comic book he's artists. a fine artist yeah i think that and also kind of the artists that he works with they're also want to push it that step further yeah, too. Man. And i think that's why you oh, get yeah. all this really cool stuff well, that we're a, talking about yeah. i imagine there would be a little pressure right because yeah. you're like oh well yeah who fucking came up with all good, these yeah. characters and shit like i gotta do my best work you know and so you push yourself probably you're inspired to push yourself how it reads to me i think everyone's at the top of their game working on these books yeah I mean, then again, he did used to ink Rob Liefeld, so <laughs> someone had to do it. They, they, yeah. they're gonna need someone who's at the top of their game to do that. They're like, <laughs> right. look, we need, we need the best, we need the best right. w- that you have, please. I don't know. I thought Liefeld's stuff and the uh, Marvel stuff wasn't as bad. He got really lazy and sloppy when he started Image, but um, right. Yeah, there is. There, yeah, I <laughs> you like know what? that. Like that X Men stuff. He has yeah. been working for decades, and he still works, and he draws, and he better's himself. So I'm. Me- I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean to any artist. Oh, I no, will but make as fun far as I won't make fun of his art. <laughs> my my point was, Manola started out doing that heavily detailed Rob Liefeld. Sure. Stuff, and now you know we consider him a fine artist, but at the time he was like, well, I'm just trying to get into the business. You have right? to start somewhere. And I'm- you could see how that might have directly influenced his desire to be a minimalist. Right, right. right. sure. And that's that's when he really found himself anyway. Of course, he found his, his artistic, his voice. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that a lot of artists struggle with. One thing I enjoy about the art and the uh, whole Manulaverse that we've been reading is it doesn't look like most of the mainstream comics. It's got a nice, I mean, no, it's got a different no. style to it. And not one artist looks the same, but right, they all yeah. kind of fit in the same world. An so, artist can be an artist yeah. in, the, in the Hellboy B Parody universe, I think. That's is, great. Is the, yeah, cause the thinking there. It's just like, whenever I think of the big two, everything is like slick and shiny. And it's real bendy I'm and like, weird, right? I'm like, why are 
denim. Everyone looks like an earthworm. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you shooting denim like metal? No one has <laughs> organs. It's very weird. Yeah, the denim looks like metal. It's very yeah. strange. Um. So it's it's nice to see this. You know? yeah. 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 And kind of going along with that, Jason Abaddon said the Fumara brothers brought so much to the Hellboy verse. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's um, yeah. you know, we're, we're going through this Abe series. I think that's such an appropriate comment. He also said when we were talking about the sky going dark for 40 hours, it could also be a dust cloud from volcanoes, right? Because we know that like oh, volcanoes are going yeah. on and stuff like that. So sure. Well, but I think that they were what they were trying to get at was that this was happening uh, with the black flame thing, right? Yeah, know. that's how I read it. Right. Yeah. And DJ Alpha T, he said, episode 58, Aubrey does all the things from memory. Legend. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still can't believe I did that. He also said, only Beast needs to record double-headed wooded Jesus. From, <laughs> from the last episode, from the healer, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Double-headed oh, yeah, wooded right. Jesus. <laughs> that was cool. And then he said... Episode 59, Strobo is pissed because Antonis's skull won't talk to him. Yeah, because he's a skull, <laughs> Strobo, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hashtag Strobo is a dickhead. Oh, yeah, so I thought that was good, yeah. Nice. All right. So now we're going to get to our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about Ape Sapien, A Darkness So Great. This is a five-issue arc published from December 2014 to April 2015, written by Mignola and Ali. Art by Max Fumara on parts 1, 3, and 5, and Sebastian Fumara on parts 2 and 4. And each of these issues is also titled after one of the main characters. And so this first issue is Grace. That is so cool that they did that, like a little mini... Yeah, that was neat, a right? A little mini story for each character. I love shit like that. A little, they separated into chapters based right. on the character. That's dope. And one another another really cool thing is we open up on this tarot art by Robert Sikoryak. He's an American artist whose work is usually signed R. Sikoryak. He specializes in making comic book adaptations of literature classics. And yeah, so it's kind of like a recap, but it's in this kind of tarot card format, right? It's it's in that. Uh, well, when I first it's like read a it, style. When I first read it, I looked at it and I said, "Oh, the style is like old school comic book." But then I, I turned I the thinking. page and I saw the tarot cards, and I was like, "Oh, it's like tarot card symbolism type of stuff." Yeah. So that's cool. I dig that. But it's as, it does. No, ahead, it sorry. does look like old school comics, though. Like yeah, 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 yeah. hand lettered and the half tones. And the ha- yeah, exactly. So yeah, it did look like the 1950 type comics right. and all that. Yeah. And so, but as someone who's, you know, I immediately locked onto the tarot cards right away because um yeah. And so I, I was, I went back actually, you know, to look and, at that other page and be like, oh, okay, I, I get what they're doing here. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to make this out a little bit. So where the car is falling, that's the tower card. Right? I is is that what we're looking at here? And have then to like, assume that. And then this is obviously Hanged Man. The one where she's upside down? Sure. And then, you know. And then the chariot is maybe this one where they're on the horse. Well. And the... then Judgment is maybe that last one. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's supposed to line up exactly. It's oh, hard to tell. Oh, the other things are the thing. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. That particular deck is like the most famous tarot deck oh okay too. that's so like that's, a famous uh tarot most, imagery it's the most famous tarot deck that exists yeah and so the way that this is written the recap is actually diana reading the cards for grace what's what's really interesting is that those are all 
uh, major arcana. Oh, okay, that's cards. interesting. Yeah, to have that all in the same reading would be really intense. I think so. Her, her leg but it's is, intense times. Her leg is also in the same position on the hangman. Yeah, that's what I was. Oh, yeah, okay, that's the cool. hangman yeah. for sure. Wow, that is really insightful. Very good job. That is deep. I, really I never picked up that. Or maybe I didn't just forgot, but like this is her doing the terror reading. Yes, in the car. And she's she's remembering her past as tarot image. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, because they talk about how it's interpretation, right? Yeah, and yeah, right, right. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Man, but... Diana says that the trauma that Grace experienced left a mark on her. She sealed herself off and hasn't said a word about it to the one she traveled with. They both have a shadow over them. That's the whole thing about tarot readings is that you're supposed to. Right. It's basically a form of therapy. You're <laughs> right. If you if the tarot reader is any fucking good, you're going to be talking about yourself and then making your own connections and then saying, oh, right. This is what I have to do. Sure. So it's, you know, I mean, that's that makes perfect sense that she's seeing herself in this reading because that's that's what you're supposed to that's do. That's a really nice way to put yeah, it. And yeah. And so the tarot reader is helping you walk through that's usually someone who is very um giving and caring and, and able to listen and really give sensitive feedback and is someone who's kind of intuitive as far as human behavior goes and you know a good a good reader is going to be someone who mostly is listening and then able to respond appropriately and so if you can draw these type of reactions out of people where they are thinking of their own life in this illustrative way that's really what tarot is good for is you're asking your own questions and you're providing your own answers. Someone is just helping you facilitate that. If right. you're stuck, you have a roadblock. That's really what it is. And so a good a good tarot reader is going to help you lift those roadblocks and, and help you find your way into uh, exercising your own power and freedom over your, your situation and, and moving on. Right. And so that's asking these questions is it often only takes one person who's willing to help you do that work. You know, obviously the crowd that's going to be listening to this already is is going to be in tune with that. But if there's someone who's like, what's all this Hellboy nonsense with tarot cards? That's the devil's work. It's not. That's awesome. <laughs> Everyone's journey has a purpose, Diana says. Grace's leads to a decision. The safety you seek may come to you if you trust. When Diana says that, Grace looks out the window and she sees her daughter's reflection again. Well, she's been having a lot of... Problems that, with reflections. Yeah. That's been happening. Yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah. I guess that's more of a, a metaphor of like, right? She's she can't face mm-hmm. that, and so that's constantly staring her in the face as a result of of her inability to face it. Which is, yeah, that's that's got to be hard. One of the guys, he's surprised that Abe doesn't know anything about Grace after all their time together. The crew, they arrive in Burnham, Texas, and Grace looks really excited. Yeah, look on I like her that face. Expression, it's right? so great. Yeah. And Abe's like, I don't know about this, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> we see like it's kind of like a more populated town. Time to give the real world a shot, Grace says. This is, I recognize this optimism. I recognize it as just you're so starved right? for that. Like you've just been going through such a fucking mess, uh, such a hard, like uh, unbelievably hard times. And so... You recognize any sliver of you. You just want to completely. I don't know. I recognize this as it's such good writing too because it's really accurate. You're so ready to rest that you're willing to overlook any intuition that sure. should, would make you feel on edge because you're you can't physically take it anymore. You can't physically 
handle being on edge for one more second. So you just want to be like, no, we're fine now. It's good. It's going to be great. And that fanatical kind of need to put everything down and, and be able to relax and rest after all you've been through. But Abe has been doing this for so fucking long now that he's just like, I don't know. And he's comfortable with being that way right? all the time. Both of these characters are very resilient, but in different ways. And I think that their coping mechanisms are so different because of the path that they've both been on. So it's it's one of those things where Abe has been doing this professionally for who knows how long. And all of these other people have just been thrown into it recently. Right. So it's it's interesting to see that juxtaposition of Yeah, of, Abe would never have a false sense of security. No, I yeah, there's no way. Yeah. We cut to six days later and we get this snapshot of a day in the life, right? Diana's preparing a meal, Abe prepares to head to Harlingen to look for supplies. And Diana asks Abe to look for flower seeds, which nice. I thought was a nice yeah. little detail. And Grace is washing her face in the sink and she criticizes Abe of not enjoying this. You can't see this as good, she asks. I love that the shaman is constantly thinking about, okay, we need to be growing more things. Right. All the time, please. And there's some damn kids running around too, right? Or one damn kid. Mm. One damn kid, yeah. yeah. But I like the I like that observation <laughs> that, that she has. She goes, it's nice to have a kid around, isn't it? And mm. the text is very small. Yeah, yeah. She's healing. It's almost faster than you would even expect, but that's the resilience of, of, of people sometimes is that... She even allowed herself to say that out loud. It's right. nice to have a kid around, isn't it? And you would think that that would break her to say, sure, but she's yeah. smiling. Yeah. And that's, you You know, I just was really like, ah, oh, so hopeful for her in this moment. While she's having this hopeful moment, Abe's like, how did this place get spared when everything around was destroyed? He's, so he's, he's still already wondering. It, yeah. And that's his job, though. That's like he's, that's. Why would this place not be spared? I would be a little fishy, too. And, yeah. You know, it's just his training from the Bureau for so many decades. Diego says that they have some visitors. Diana, Abe, Grace, and Diego, they go outside to meet with these people. We meet Father Flores and Mr. Arbogast. The father says Mr. Arbogast wanted to meet Abe. And I like how Abe, he introduces Arbogast to the others. He's like, good right. morning, this is Grace and Diego. Because he's kind of like, yeah. I feel like he's like, it's not just me here. Yeah, There's other yeah. people here. Arbogast, he... Hands a handkerchief to Grace, whose face is still wet from when she was washing in the sink. And he's pretty smooth, right, with the ladies. Yeah. He tries to be sure. like, oh. uh, you know, yeah. say all these kind of like flowery things with them. And it seems like Grace is kind of um, flattered a little bit by that. Well, the effect, I don't know what the social effect would be of not seeing another person for so long. So that's got to be another pleasant interaction for her, like another person. And then cool. somebody who's like... Yeah really kind of smooth and they've got the handkerchief sure, and in a nice yeah. suit and it's kind of like wow charming. you know Look, yeah, charming exactly experiencing, yeah. Experiencing, has manners yeah has man exactly and experiencing kindness again yeah after so long the writing is so good they're building a sense of weariness in the reader now i'm just like can you not adopt the same attitude that abe has is the skepticism but then you don't want that for her either on the other hand because you Want her to still be able to enjoy being alive. Right, yeah. And not have to constantly be skeptical and cynical. And so you're fighting with yourself now. And anything that can draw you in emotionally with a story like that, that's grade A stuff. Yeah, I think that we all know she's been through so much. Yeah. We just want her, we want to see her be happy and not so And we would want to be like, happy, yeah. right? Wouldn't yeah. we? And so that's just something that writers that know people 
Ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so refreshing. It's nice. And so Abe leaves with Gene to get this other guy, Larry. So this, so there was a little bit of confusion when I was reading this because there's two guys that look really alike. One is Gene and the other one's Elliot. And so this is Gene here in the black shirt. Okay. Right. Father Flores, Arbogast, Grace, and Diana, they all talk. And the father says the guys have been contributing to the co-op. Diana says she'd love a reason to leave, but she's been seen to the household. And so the two guys, Father Flores and Arbogast, they go ahead and leave. We cut over to Abe and the guys. They're riding in the van, and Diego lies in the back, and he sings Los Esqueletos, the Skeletons. It's a children's song. And so I actually looked this up on YouTube. If you type in Los Esqueletos into your search bar, there are all these different kids' uh, versions of this song. Like, you know, animated ones and ones with puppets and ones with, like, from Mexican kids' shows. And basically, it's about all the things that the skeletons do at night. Uh, And so every hour, the clock strikes a number and the skeletons do something. So when the clock strikes one, the skeletons come out of their tombs. When the clock strikes two, the skeletons eat rice. When the clock strikes three, they turn upside down. When it gets to four, they go to the theater. Five, they make a big jump. Six, they play chess. Seven, they ride a rocket. Eight, they eat sponge cake. Nine, they shake their bodies. And ten, they go back to sleep. That's dope. Yeah, but there's... And and I think there's different versions of it because in this version that Diego's singing, he goes to 12. He says when they go to 11, they run really fast. And when they go to 12, they go back to sleep. Okay. So I think there might be different versions. The one that I looked up online was originated from Costa Rica, and that one only goes up to 10. So I'm sure that there are other versions where they say different things. That's probably like an ABC thing. It is. Yeah. It is exactly like that. And so I'll... Some ABCs, it's like, won't you come and play with me? And then some ABCs is, won't you sing with me? And some of them are like... What if a skeleton comes out and yeah. all the things they do at night? Precisely. Now, that's way better. Can I just say? It is. Like, that's way fucking better. It's really cute. That's and awesome. And so this part where he's like, Toomba, Toomba, ba, Toomba. That's the skeletons walking around. That rules so hard. <laughs> that's why awesome. Did, I feel yeah. robbed. I feel like, why didn't I get to learn this fucking song when I was a kid? That's awesome. Cuando el reloj marca las once, once esqueletos corren veloces. Cuando el reloj marca las doce, doce esqueletos descansan por la noche. Yeah, so that's what he's singing there. So yeah, we had uh, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," which was cool because like stars is cool. But then the rest of it is uh, about lambs. Like most things are about lambs, and had... lambs are great. But like skeletons. Have you ever heard the song? Have you ever seen a hearse go by? Yeah, no, that was uh, I learned that song because of uh, scary stories, right? I don't know if I've heard that song. So I, you, I don't you remember do... how it went, but it ends with like skeletons playing pinochle. Yeah, on that your was scary stories or something like dark. that. Yeah, or, that was our or only worms respite. Playing pinochle on your sky. That yeah, was, was our was really only respite. Was scary stories telling dark. I have not heard that song, but now I want to. <laughs> now I want to. I'll have to cut in both of them. Never laugh as a hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in a big white sheet, from your head down to your feet. They put you in a big black box and 
cover you up with dirt and rocks And all goes well for about a week And then your coffin begins to leak And the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out The worms play pinochle on your snout they As they're driving, Abe notices a bunch of exhumed graves he asks if it's the army. Larry says, army didn't do it. It's a sick world. Who the hell wants to loot a boneyard? And that's clearly not what fucking happened, though. But I like how he says, oh, you don't want to look at that, Abe. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, has anyone ever told you that? Like, hey, you don't want to look at yes, that. Yes, no, I know exactly where that's coming from. Awesome. And it's like, and, and Abe has seen everything at this point, yeah. too. So that's what also makes it funny. I like. But I, I mean, clearly this is a corpse that busted from the inside out. Mm. The, and the, oh. the, the masterful yeah. way that this was drawn to make sure that we know stuff. exactly claw marks very obvious claw marks very obvious that it broke upward you know mm-hmm. so we we know what happened just by looking at it which is that that speaks to the skill of this artist but that that line very of dialogue very expressive where he says you don't want to look at that i i have to check i don't think we've read it yet but that there's a similar line in a different hellboy book Mm. Okay. very very similar i wonder if they were coming out parallel like oh, the issues okay because it stood out to me in that other book too and i was like that is a hilarious thing to say <laughs> <laughs> like to abe sapien right of all people right mm-hmm. oh, yeah and now the crew have arrived in harlingen texas this is a city in the central region of the rio Grande valley on the southern part of texas about 30 miles from the coast of the gulf of mexico and here they find a wreck city and the remains of an army surplus store. So they decide to look around. And Larry and Jean see this big hole in the ground. And Diego discovers a box of fruit nut medley. He's like, well, if we get desperate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Abe, awesome. fi- Abe finds a few holsters and tactical vests. As they scavenge... They hear all this rustling and movement from this mound of wreckage, and it builds this really tense moment. They really take their time in kind of building this, and then Abe starts to go towards it like he's going to take care of it. They all brace themselves, and then as Abe tears back the cover, we reveal a shit ton of rats. Yeah. And Gene screams out. He's like, ah! And then they all laugh at him. And I really like that. Um, it's just a very nice moment. It's like that scene in uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Last Crusade, where he pulls the thing up and he looks down and he goes, ah, rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so I like this panel at the bottom where, where they're all laughing and it kind of pulls back, but then it looks like something creepy is back there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But look at Abe. He's either... So throughout this whole series, I'll just go ahead and spoil it. He's either docile or in action. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I almost want to see if I'm wrong now, but I feel like he's either like totally one extreme or the other. Right. And when right. he when he pulls that thing back, it just feels like he's putting way too much effort into it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, cats reserve their energy. Mm hmm. Like, they sleep all day, or they're really chill, and then at the last second, it's all they got. Right, right. Yeah. That's what he feels like to me. Yeah. We cut over to Burnham, and there's a garage sale going on. We see Megan looking at a piggy bank of a kitty. I guess it's a kitty bank, then. It wouldn't be a piggy bank. It kind of looks like a piggy bank, but it's a kitty instead of a piggy. Grace is talking to Bottle, that's one of the other people in their crew, about how they're babying Megan, treating her younger than she is. 
Grace says it makes her act younger. So that made me think of Roger a little bit. Because we were talking about Roger and how... Why does he kind of go back and forth between this kind of like Shakespearean oh, and, right, then he, right. and then he's like a kid later, he's you know ch- what I very mean? Very childlike, yeah. He has like hefty doses of innocence, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's uncorrupted. Like he's got, I mean, surely he, he experienced some pretty horrible stuff as soon as he had life. Sure. Right? Each time he suddenly had life. Like I don't think he was like educated. Right. I guess we don't see that. We we don't ever see what he does for the marquee. I guess you could assume he was educated to a degree, but he's always trying to adapt by mimic. And I think that that is a sign of like uh, innocence. Yeah, because he did start uh, mimicking Daimyo there towards the end. Yeah, yeah. No, he definitely did. Fuck me. But this this girl is maybe they're treating her younger because they like having a kid around. Remember, they says, "Isn't it nice to have a kid around?" Yeah. Well. Bato here, she says, they all want something to protect, like how Santa Muerte protects them. She says they have a prayer. Santa Muerte of my heart, don't deprive me of your protection. You can ask her for anything, Bato says. You won't know when it will come, but you'll see a change. And she talks about how she got Camelita out of a bad situation. Diana did, Grace asks. No, Santa Muerte, she says. She asks for our faith and she looks out for us, and we all look out for each other. Back at the house, Abe and Elliot work on the grounds. And so I think this might have been where, remember Diana was saying, we need to get something to grow in this awful soil. So I think that's what they're doing right there, which I kind of like. They don't... You know, it's kind of like if you're paying attention, yeah. you f- you get a lot of follow-up on these little things, you know, and anyway. And knowing her, she knows what's going to be uh, good for the soil, as in it's going to um, return nutrients. There are crops that can return nutrients to the soil if you, you know, over time, if you, if you care for it right and you till it right and all this stuff. And so then you can grow... The other thing is, like, you know, you rotate your, your crops and your stuff. So yeah. I, I imagine that she's maybe trying to get something like that started. Right. I don't know. Uh, but that's, I think, I love that that's her first instinct. It's a really good addition to the story as far as character work. I, I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Yeah. And they kind of just have small talk yeah. in this scene, which I thought was interesting. They, prison gets mentioned when they talk about cigarettes. It seems like they sold out quickly at the co op. I like that she's quick to refute, hey, that's kind of a weird rumor that people started because of the way that people think about prison. And it kind of, for a moment, it makes you think, ah, maybe all the stereotypes I think about prison are mean and I should not like give in to that kind of a thing or right else. right so that's that's one little moment of like i just like that she brings it up and she's not af- so that that's another character insight that she's not afraid to speak her mind and bring things up when she feels like something's being misrepresented right. or re- represented improperly when they talk about that cigarettes are currency in the prisons right and but, so, does it, but does that also maybe say that she went to prison i don't know but she says that isn't true you know maybe she had a loved one that mm-hmm. was in prison sure. i like the tray filled of random glasses yeah. That oh, makes yeah. lovely. Oh, I didn't even notice that. One of them has a, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. The Umbrella Academy logo is Oh, yeah. yeah That's there's... really cool. I didn't notice that. Yeah, because you would have a bunch of... You wouldn't have one no, set yeah. of glasses. Right. There's I mean, ceramic the mugs, yeah. and there's different shapes, and there's glasses, and it, there's... It makes me think of a cabinet I have at home. Me too, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. That's excellent. I like that detail, Aubrey. Good job. Yeah, reminds me of the candles that Liz was using oh, right. in like a fire. Yeah, they were like a... A birthday candle, a number or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, um, and it it gives you more of a sense of, it's a very homey feeling about it. I don't know how to describe that. And as Grace is pouring some lemonade, 
For Elliot, she jokes about how they all have their life sentences. At least it's co-ed, she says. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I lost my place here in my notes. After that. She's oh, okay, I got it. It's a nice change after... My husband left. I was only around women for a while, which... And yeah, and she says, until recently, and her and Abe share a somewhat awkward glance, right? Grace looks at Abe, and then she looks back at her reflection in the car windshield, and it's her. Yeah. She's ready. This is the first time that she's looked at her reflection, and it hasn't been the daughter. She's ready. But when she said that she hung around women, she was talking about her sister and daughter. Yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah. 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 It's like the first time she actually actually has talked about her life that we've seen. You're right. She walks over to Abe, and they talk. Abe mentions that he's been thinking about Rhode Island. Both Diana and the woman at the lake told her to go home to look for answers. Now, one thing I forgot to talk about from last week, what was up with that woman at the lake that was pulling off her arms and her legs and all that? Oh, yeah. What was that? We, we never, never found out either. anything about nope. that. See, I always thought it was going to be like the next page is like the reveal is that it's an old legend of a type of a person sure, who pulls yeah. their limbs off, like the floating head people. Yeah, I was thinking about the, that later. You know, I thought it was going to be like that. And then we just never got an explanation. <laughs> there's just some weird shit happening. Yeah, like for real. The uh, shape shifters out in the desert. Back oh, in yeah. Arizona, you're right, right. You're right. The Nogwals. Um, yeah. I thought and we then, were going to find out that she had a specific type of name. Like, she's a Yanawama. And yeah. she lives in the forest because the ancient sayings go that she would come and terrorize the children is that what my research sounds like when i do it no i'm just saying like i figured that that's what we would find out or something maybe she is something like that but she's just getting started yeah this is the beginning of her it was so subtle like they just threw it in there i bet you there's there's another layer to that that we haven't picked up. maybe they trust us now maybe they trust us so much that they're like they'll they get it it's a it's a weird demon lady it's fine you know well what was the lore that they were talking about remember uh when you posted it on instagram I, i don't know if we made this connection in during the podcast but that one piece of folklore could have been Hecate that they were talking about. Oh, oh right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But Coyle that Shalke. lady was, yeah, she was dismembered as well, right? Oh, you're oh. right. And oh, just yeah. like Koyo Shanky. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to have to think about so this a little subtle. bit more. Yeah. Good job, Matt. Or Scott Alley's a big fan of Arm Fall Off Boy or whatever <laughs> his name is. That's probably it, actually. Yeah. He's a big <laughs> Legion of Superheroes fan. Yeah, that's, yeah. D team. Yeah, right. <laughs> Grace says, Abe, this isn't what you wanted to talk about. It's why I have to go there, Abe says. There's been time since I found you in that. That's what you wanted to talk about, Grace says. You wanted to, but I couldn't. Where you found me. She talks about that weird guy, how he was protecting her, waiting for a garden so they could be the new Adam and Eve. But he's not what's been keeping me up at night, Grace says. And she mentions her daughter, Gloria, and what happened to them at Gallup. We saw a gruesome memory of this in The Garden Part 1. Gloria and her sister died in the accident. I wanted to die right there, Grace says. That man, he found me. He must have got me out of the car. I must have tried to run. I must have. 
and the way that Fumara draws her going through these expressions yeah. is really just, um, it's very emotive and it really kind of, I just like how they take their time with this yeah. to really yeah. kind of let us and her kind of process this whole thing. And then Abe is also hearing this for the first time, too. And when we turn the page, we just see his face looking at her. He's just totally speechless. Yeah, see, that that's a thing, though, in these comics. They always just show Abe without any dialogue because I think he's just in his head. Right. Also, um, I was just hanging out with Scott in Portland, and he mentioned when he was wrapping up the script for The Garden, part mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. that story broke on the news of that guy in Philadelphia. I think he was like a public bus driver who had those women uh, oh, okay. in his house, like oh, had them locked wow. up in his house. Right. I remember that. Wow. Topical. You wanted to know, Grace says as she starts walking off, Abe calls for her. But she says, we'll talk later. Okay, so this next scene that we get with this guy Tony and Arbogast, the charmer that we met earlier, Tony says, they're almost ready. It would help if you came and talked to them. They can never know of me, Tony, Arbogast says. Tell Father Flores there's a herd of sheep in need of saving. That should drive them off. And dress down. It will help them trust you. Always a new pack of wayward souls wandering around. And so, as Arbogast, he looks in the mirror and he sees this guy, right? Well, he's looking in a, he's looking out the window, but he's seeing a, what would be his reflection. Right, right. But it's like somebody else. It kind of looks like this guy that we see in the vision. And then so he immediately turns around and he says, have we heard from Jules? And he's like, yeah, why? And he's like, he's real stern about it. And he heads into this room and we reveal... All this like witch doctor stuff, right? In this room, he's got all these different supplies. We see bottles and candles and what looks like a bunch of bones and skulls and a bunch of jars filled with stuff. It looks like voodoo. Yeah. Arbogast takes out this mirror and a bowl of bones and he starts throwing the bones on the mirror. And so this is called bone reading, also called bone scrying or casting the bones. This is an ancient form of divination found in many cultures around the world. West Africa, Asia, and the Americas all have variations of bone readings in their indigenous cultures. As Arbogast continues, he sees this guy Jules in the mirror. This is the same guy that he saw in what would be his reflection out the window. And he's tied up and being interrogated by these uniform guys. Are these guys BPRD? It looks like they are. Right? They got yeah, the symbol they are. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that Nichols? Oh, it is Nichols. You're right. He's yeah, got the he scar in his scar. eye. Yeah, yeah right. That's so that's him. Nichols. Awesome. I didn't even catch that. They're tracking all the exhumed graves. They have a map with all of them on there. The guys who we work with who do this stuff, you don't want to talk to them, Jules. You want to talk to us, Nichols says. And they show him the map. Tell us who else is involved, they ask. Suddenly, Jules starts coughing up blood and he just kind of keels over. We cut over to this voodoo-type doll, right, with a needle through it, and there's blood, too. So you would get the sense that Arbogast killed this guy, you know, using this doll before he could say anything. Tony tells Arbogast he didn't need to do that. Arbogast says he didn't decide lightly. Be glad your lives are in my hands rather than your own. Have faith in this power, Tony, as you bring those lost souls to spread the word east and bring the rapture to man before it's too late. And we see Arbogast, he has this like purple looking bottle and it looks like it has a reflection of a skull in it, right? We kind of see that a couple times. I like that effect there. I'm thinking that's his familiar. Right, right. A la the crooked man. 
Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Familiar in a bottle. In a bottle. You're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Chapter two, Diana. At the Burnham swap meet, Elliot watches the crowd and he scratches his neck nervously. This has been bothering me. Do you remember the other like thing that we saw with the little girl was like, how much is this? And the guy was like, a dollar. Mm hmm. There's no fucking way money still exists. Money's well, not a thing anymore. But we saw well, that some stores were still town. getting places. Yeah, in this town, I guess they're still kind of they're still kind of like modern, you know, a little bit, that or they're holding on to modern. It's just like well, they're still trying to hold on to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, the modern that thing. Old. That I mean, that's just like. But I think that's also why everything was a dollar too, because I think money's starting to lose some of its value. So it's just kind of like that shit is well, paper. That's right, paper at yeah. this point. I'm like, no, Any, I don't want that paper anywhere Dude. else. They would have scarfed up that fruit nut medley right away. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But they were like, they're like, well, if we get desperate, so they're not there yet. They're not desperate. Right. It just right. seems like money doesn't exist anymore, like at all. Like it's, I think it's they're literally made up a facade. <laughs> Right. I think they're just putting up a front, and it, you're right, it's meaningless, but they just haven't accepted Do you think that's that. just like a for fun activity, like it's a game? Like they're playing... It's, it's like, like a house. muscle memory. Yeah, it's like a force of habit. They're yeah. like, yeah, we use money. That's that's what we call a, normal. Because a fun thing to do is go out and engage in commerce. Right. That's even scarier yeah, to me. Like that's even. Because <laughs> there's no FDIC. Sure. There's no bank. You yeah. know what do they do with that money once yeah. they get it? Just burying it somewhere. I right. mean, well, they're hoping that everything will go back to normal. It's not going to. Well, they yeah. they, they they don't realize yeah. that yet. Right. You you would be better off trying to make contact with Satan. Or <laughs> practicing yeah. voodoo, really, because sure. that's kind of like that's where we're at. Or planting a fucking garden, but mm. you know. You know what I would do is anything Abe Sapien said. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, this guy is clearly the link. We need to stick with him. Right. Also, this guy's wearing a tool shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Diana comes up to Elliot and she thanks him. She tells him they wouldn't have come to Burnham if not for him. She wanted to keep her family safe, but Elliot made it possible. And he tries to brush it off, saying that Diego and Jimmy sold her on it. So he's trying to, like, push it off to somebody else. Of course, we each play a part, Diana says. For whatever reason, Burnham is safe. Who knows how bad it may have gotten in Rosario. For all we know, it will go the way of Houston. And okay. so we oh. we see this flashback of Houston. We see, see how destroyed it is. Okay, hold on. This building? Yeah, well, yeah. It's very recognizable downtown building. It's the Bank of America Center building. I used to work in this building. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. So like, uh, so that's uh, your town, right? That is so weird. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We see this building all the time. It's a high rise representing a significant example of postmodern architecture construction. It has three segmented tower setbacks each with a steeply pitched gabled roof line that is topped off with spires. Oh. Um, yeah, so... destroyed in a lot of media. Oh, yeah, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> the company I used to work for, before I worked there, like, somebody went out onto one of these balconies and took all of her papers, and she just had enough, and set them on fire. Wow. Two, That's crazy. Two of the executives Whoa. had to tackle her, and we were no longer allowed to go out on the balconies anymore. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I can't remember which book it was, but they got Boulder, Colorado at some point, too. Right. Which is right. like 10 miles south of where I am. But 
You know, if it got bad enough here in Longmont, I would just go up to BPRD headquarters in the mountains, man. That'd be <laughs> right. pretty simple. We cut over to Diana's group. It looks like they're doing a lot of good. One of the guys mentions that he doesn't know what they would do without the van. And he asks them if they've gone to Kingsville yet. Abe wonders where Megan is, but Diana says people worry about that girl too much. And that was already kind of talked about by Grace in the last issue, too. Jimmy talks to Diana about how Grace didn't want to come to the co-op. But Diana says Grace needs a moment, Jimmy. She's paid a debt. She's not ready to face what that means yet. She'll open up back to the world, but we need to be patient, she says. So we cut over to Strobel. We haven't seen him yet. He's with Vaughn, and he monologues again, this time over a dead deer. Did it not feed and water itself for years, just fattening itself for worms, Strobel says? He says he's been in rough shape before, too. And so I think, again, this is meant to be a teaser to witchcraft and demonology. When we read that story, we'll learn how he was burned to death by Guilford and then tortured in hell by Marbus. And so he says, I've been there twice before. And you, soldier, he says to Vaughn, look how you've accepted the life you've been given. He mentions how he's offered Vaughn a chance to live a true life again. But Vaughn hasn't shown interest in that or with Strobel's obsession with Abe Sapien. When he broke that rib bone off, I thought he was going to eat it. Yeah, so he cracks this <laughs> rib bone off, and he's like holding it in his hand. He says, perhaps you're wise not to care. Is life so sacred when the fire is only doomed to go out? The fire. And then he just throws the bone at Vaughn and just like bounces off of him. Come, soldier. I can nearly smell the sea. And so I feel like every time we see Vaughn, he's looking more decomposed and like, you know, he's like rotting or something, right? Yeah, it's gross. Well, I feel like Strobel is looking healthy, svelte. Yeah. He's doing well. And that has got to be so that we have some contrast. Right, To see right. just how bad Vaughn has gotten. Yeah. Over in Burnham, Diana teaches Megan about tarot. Don't get caught up memorizing, she says. The thing is to interpret, which comes from your own instincts. And we see all the locals doing their mundane tasks throughout the day, except for Elliot in this last panel. He looks all stressed. As Diana continues teaching Megan, Abe comes in. Do you see Rhode Island in my cards, he asks. I like her little owl shirt, sorry. Yeah, oh, she does have a nice little owl shirt. You said to go home if I wanted to understand things, Abe says. So Rhode Island is home, Diana asks. A long time ago it was home, when all this started for me. You aren't the first one to tell me to go back. I'm grateful for the reprieve, and obviously it's been good for Grace, but I won't figure things out here. And Diana just looks at him, and he's like, what? She goes, well, to begin with, you don't even consider your more recent home. You want to know what you've become, but you look at only one piece of who you were. I like the black lipstick on the mug, by the way, here. Oh, yeah, there is. I like that little detail. Yeah. You're not him anymore, Abe Sapien. I know, Abe says. So is Rhode Island the home you should be thinking of, Diana asks? You tell me, Diana, Abe says. I can't tell you that, Abe, she says. We're all mercurial in the face of what's happening. The surface of the earth itself shifts. England is gone. Indonesia. The power that guides the earth shifts as well. We put our faith where we can, but we'd be fools to hope to remain as we were or to avoid the struggle. And so as she's talking, she kind of like dips her finger in her coffee or whatever and it kind of creates this vision in there and we see this like flaming red version of abe surrounded by all these like hammerheads and frog monsters and stuff like that that's usually like reserved for hellboy right, right. yeah no you're absolutely right so i've mentioned before that 
some characters in these books have died and then keep living and their internal processing that they have to go through. They're always trying to figure out what it all means. And that's very messy. But with Abe, he's evolved like over and over and he really hasn't died. And so his version of trying to make sense of it is more complicated than it is messy. Right. He's constant. He's like constantly hearing other people's take on it now, too. Right. Like he talks about it openly. And he's receptive to what other people have to say about it. Mm-hmm. I think that makes for uh, you know, a really interesting story. But this arc, it's the first time I started to wonder about what Abe doesn't know. Not just how he's going to make sense of what he's learned about himself. But I, I think he's starting to realize there's stuff that he doesn't know about himself. Right. And and I like how Diana makes this deal about that's not the home he should be thinking of. You know, he's stuck on this Rhode right. Island right. Langdon Call thing. And, right. um, you know, she's like, you're not him anymore. So I think that's an interesting piece also. As they're all talking about all this heavy stuff, Megan is starting to look really freaked out. And Diana asks her to go get some water. When Megan's gone... She tells Abe that she thinks something is keeping them safe. Does it seem like hollowed ground? She blessed it, but it wasn't necessary. Some other force protects them, Diana says. Should that concern us, she asks. And so Abe says, well, if you don't trust it, why do you stay? And Diana says nothing scares her. Should she turn a blind eye to it with the safety of so many depending on her? Megan comes back in and Diana says, drink that and come back to the cards. Over with Tony and Arbogast, they're doing all their evil magic stuff. Tony tells Arbogast that Father Flores is getting beat up rather than recruiting these guys. And so we see this. We see like a flashback to this over here. And Arbogast says to tell them you have a pot farming cousin and they'll follow. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They talk about traveling up past Dallas before going east. And Arbogast says no cemeteries until you reach Mississippi. And they make this green concoction and they put it in these plastic soda bottles. And so, yeah, we didn't talk a whole lot about that stuff that the kids were doing on that golf course and that other story. But it's kind of like the same thing, right? So, you know, we saw those green bottles with the stuff inside. And so I'm wondering maybe Arbogast is the head of this whole operation, right? Mm, Could be. Yeah, like maybe he taught them how to do that. Right. He says, it brings about a miracle in the dead, but you don't want to see what it does to the living. And so we cut back over to our group with Grace and the gang, and they're checking out this abandoned diner. They see this bulletin board with clippings of a teen singer from there. And they're like, oh, I wonder why we never heard of her or whatever. And they're like, oh, it says she went to Houston. That place sucks. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Well, currently, I mean, in in the apocalypse. It's it's all broken in monsters. We, we Yeah, and we cut to a scene of all these hammerheads and all these, like, attacking buses and cars. We should go, Beto says. And it looks like Grace is starting to look distressed. Over in Kingsville, we see the van pull up. It looks pretty trashed here. And we see Abe, Diana, Jean, Diego, and Elliot scavenging around. And we also see a Whataburger sign. Whataburger? Yeah, I noticed that. Or how they typically say it here in Texas, Whataburger. Whataburger. What is it? What's it called? It's called Whataburger, but people often say Whataburger. Oh, okay. I hear people say that a lot. Yeah. Oh. I just maybe I just don't pay attention I because think this I hear Whataburger. I think it, yeah. over time it turns into Whataburger instead of. You're Whataburger. saying it so fast, Whataburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Hey, you want to go down to Whataburger and get a thing? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. You know. <laughs> they got the best chicken strips. <laughs> 
We like Waterburger. We're from Texas. Okay. And Diana tells Abe she didn't mean to dismiss Rhode Island. She just doesn't understand his connection to it. Abe says he's not sure of its connection to him either. He's researched his own life. And we get this nice info dump explaining all that Abe has learned. I like when they kind of put it all in one thing right here so we can like go, oh yeah, okay, I see how this connects. And so we learn about this Babylonian god, Oanes, and how Kal was part of the Oanes society and they went looking for this god. I'm still not sure what we found, he says. Okay, now check this out. See this, the top of the page here, it's all green, right. underwater. You've probably noticed, you will now. This is a really yellow series. Oh, okay. Like, like, look at the next page. It's all yellow. And if you go back through this issue and, and the previous issue, mm. or, or chapter, I guess, it's very, very yellow. And then you get this, like, green section here. Okay. Now, we know color is used strategically in these books. It's very important, right? And I feel like if it were a film score, like... This music playing here would cue our emotions later. And I'll point it out if you don't sure, notice. No, that okay, makes sense. I that know makes what you mean. That makes perfect sense to me. But you, it's, color it's, is a score. Yeah. Right. So it's green here, and it's not again until this one moment later. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's all very yellow. That's a brilliant, in insightful place. observation. And I love that you feel that way about these stories because that is an intentional storytelling device. And it's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's no a gorgeous observation for sure. So they're all trying. They're always trying to tell us something. Absolutely. And we see also in that panel, we see the mermaids, and we see those those little jars that the Baba no, not the Babiaga, that the Bogarouche had Bogarouche. all those souls in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is that Davy Jones' locker? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's what it is. You're right. And I guess <laughs> this is like Atlantis or y'all already. Said oh, this, the right? jellyfish. The Abe, right. Abe, right. Yeah. Abe went through the. Thing to get yeah, that's deal. where he went through when yeah. he um, had that flashback where he saw his origin and all that. Well, he said, and that I love the, the real Atlantis. Oh yeah, and I yeah. love the the uh, like sketches of the submarine on the wall. Oh right. yeah, oh right. Like they're designing it. Well, down and there. there's Edith Call too, looking all upset yep. that they're planning this trip too. And they're all yeah, toasting the, their brandies. <laughs> yeah, that's a please don't go look if right. I've ever seen one. Cutting back to the team in Kingsville looking around, as we go through these panels, we see more birds, too. I don't know if you noticed that. When they first pull yeah. up, there are two there, and then they see some flying in, and then here we see more looking at them. Oh, have you? did you notice the um, little stick family did. sticker on the car? <laughs> oh, on the back of the car, yeah. It's got the baby on board and the, the little decal family that you see yeah. on a lot of cars. Diego finds the remains of a pharmacy. Jackpot, he says. They also notice no dead bodies. And suddenly Gene comes out. Screw the pharmacy. It's a candy store. The whole counter's intact. And so he's got these white he's chocolate pretzels. About, well, I love those white chocolate pretzels. I like to think pretzels. that they're yogurt pretzels. <laughs> yeah, that's white that's chocolate that's not even yogurt. chocolate and it's gross. I enjoy those. <laughs> but I thought it was yogurt too. Yeah, yogurt pretzels fucking rule. And so all the birds start to scatter. Back to the van run, Diana says. But this so next page tight. just totally shocks you. Yeah. Rules. You turn the page and you just see this giant bat monster. We haven't seen anything like this no, in a while, the, too. Impact, yeah. yeah. The impact that that has, though, is so yeah. great. It's excellent. 
It's really shocking when this thing comes out. I this is my favorite. I fucking dug this so much. And it's got like these hook tusks things on the bottom Terrible. of its jaw that kind of stick out. Awful. And so it just totally stabs and eats Gene. You can't even really see how it's tearing him apart. It's just all messed up. I like how in the wings, the design of the shading looks like lightning bolts <laughs> coming down. Oh yeah, okay. Because our outside of Burnham, right? Like big mistake. Right, right. So that's why that guy was like, oh, have oh, you no, all been to in, Kingsville? Yeah. They're in Kingsville now. Yeah. yeah. Abe runs up and he jumps on the fucking monster and starts like fighting it. He's become such a fighter in this series. He's a um, badass. See what I yeah. mean? He's either like chill or in action. Right. There's really no in between. And the monster slashes across him really gory with those giant tusks. And then they both go flying up in the air. On this next page, so the thing takes Abe up into the air, and then we get this panel at the top where we see these two glowing eyes, and it says, The heavens belong to my lord and to la santa muerte. And then we see this, I don't know what, a skull beam or something? It's kind of got this shape of a skull. It's like it a com- giant it, flaming skull. Yeah, and it comes up from the... It looks like it comes from the ground or something, and it and it hits the bat monster so that way it can drop Abe. Now, what or is like going he on right there? Flew into it, right? Didn't oh, Di- or it's like a shield. Okay, well, is Diana. That what it well, Diana said a prayer, right, and protected Abe. Okay, yeah, she used power. She's supernatural. That right? is awesome. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like what exactly is this kind of like thing that so, goes like, up instead of like writing sigils. Her magic just looks like a giant skull. That's awesome. <laughs> and the thing just crashed into it. She's yeah. like, yeah, right. I really dig that a lot. It's very cool. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, how do you think of that? It's such a weird it's thing, It's an incredible right? effect, and it's really well executed. And yeah, I'm in love with it. I really dig it. It's a great scene. You can't just go, oh, okay, then there's the skull. Moving on. Right. You really do have to, like, take pause. Take it in, I mean, yeah. That's, it's absolutely. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, I already adore this character so much. Yeah. It's like, the aesthetic drew me in, but then the actual character kept me there. And so to have it really pay off like this is very satisfying. Abe drops to the ground, and Diego and Elliot go up and they help Abe. And Diana drops to her knees at the remains of Gene, and he's like ripped in half. It's pretty gory. This is the same Gene that started the cult. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, I didn't want this to happen to me, but damn it. Yeah, I was getting, yeah. I mean, he was he was annoying, but crap. he was he was a jerk, and I really didn't like him. But in this series, he's he kind started of started to come, to come back around. around yeah, and, yeah, and it seems like Abe was okay with him, so that made me kind of okay with him again. Right. But then this happens. Yeah, Diego tells her they must hurry. So hurry, Diego, and she slaps him. And as we pan out, it looks like somebody's watching them. This whole page, right? Though they all mourn Gene, and I think it's really. You know, they talk about how they're family, they've been through all this stuff together, and so I think it's really interesting to just give us this page for, you know, them to be all sad about this character and about losing one of their family members, and the only words on it is Abe asking about Grace, right? And once again, he's all bandaged up. Oh, right, yeah. We cut to Elliot, and he's talking in the mirror. I got her here. We see a vision of Diana. That's all you wanted. Can you let me go? And in the mirror, we see like some evil shape, but we don't really see what it is, but we can kind of see it's not his reflection, right? I mean, but we can also put two and two together from earlier with um, Abergast. Right, right. I mean, it's rare that people literally see their own reflection, right? Sure, right. Like so far, I mean, there's the one time Grace saw herself. 
Right. So I pretty safe to say it's not him. From outside the door, we see somebody approaching it. And from the, you know, the reflection in the footwear, I think it's Diana. You can kind of see this shadow too. And then this pool of blood starts to come out from the bottom of the door. And so that's her reflection in the blood? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Chapter three, Megan. So we open on, it looks like they already found out that Elliot was dead. Like we didn't have to go through all that. Now we're just seeing the aftermath right. of it. Megan looks pretty upset about it. Jimmy tries to distract Megan with a chargeable phone case that he got her, but she wants to see Elliot. Carmelita says they'll have a funeral for him and Jean soon, but Megan wants to see him. Why can't I see him, she says, and she runs off. Man, just just look at the artwork. God, this... Okay, so there's a real benefit to these guys trading off doing every other issue. They can really take their time. Oh, yeah. Makes me think they're doing, like, one issue in the in the time it would take to do two. Mm. There's a there's a huge payoff because like look at this winding branch. You know, it's they do a close up of one character and it's like pure art. It's not just oh, I gotta draw this panel and go on to the next panel. Right. They're really I mean, it's amazing. This the artwork in Abe Sapien is epic, but this particular series really hits at home. As Megan runs off, Grace says she shouldn't be alone. So I wonder, is like, now Grace is babying her. Wasn't earlier she was like, everyone worries too much about that girl, and now she's like, oh, gr-. Well, I mean, this is different circumstances. <clears throat> Two people just died. Sure. Abe says they'll go talk to her, but Grace says Abe is so much faster, he can catch up to her. She'll stay. I mean, is that okay? And we just get this panel of Abe. We cut over to Abe. He's catching up with Megan, and she's on this tree branch. And yeah, I mean, that is amazingly drawn. She's upset she can't get five minutes alone, and Abe can't really connect with her at first. You know, they're just upset and scared, Abe says. We found this safe place, and now two people are dead in the space of one day. Just when you think you've gotten used to how crazy the world is, it gets a little crazier. It's worse than being afraid or upset. No one knows what to do or what it means. And Megan just walks off. And they think I'm the one who's scared, she says. She's like, right just blows it all off she's like whatever she says she's not scared this is all normal for her she can barely remember what it used to be like she confuses her being in school with the events of hell on earth she can't even remember the day houston blew up i mean all right i mean i remember my parents telling me about it i remember my mom crying but even then People tried to baby me. I do like her attitude about they're all hung up on what the world used to be and they're wondering when it's going to snap back to being like that, but it's not fucking gonna. Right. She's immediately there. And that's something that can be said about, you know, kids her age uh, or in her age range. Right. Is that they're like so ready to adapt to this, the environment they find themselves in. And I think that there's something to be said for us to listen to that and be like, yeah, that the past is over. We got to deal with what's going on right now. And that's such a strongly felt message for me here is right. that she's she's the only fucking one who's on it. And she's the only one around here who is a kid, too. She's like, who gives a shit what used to be? This is what is now. We have to fucking deal with this. Get get it together. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and she I, I dig she that. says she can't even remember, you know, what it used to be like before. Yeah. I just I really I really dig that. She's so fucking mad. She's just like, what the fuck is wrong with everybody? This is ridiculous. I, I just I like that a lot. When she says it to uh, she can't even remember Houston, but uh, her parents talk about it. It reminded me recently of like because nine eleven just came sure, out. Sure, sure. Oh right, my, right, my nieces yeah. and nephew they were they're eighteen and nineteen right now, oh, and wow. so 
they know about it, but they don't remember it. Right. The way That's we do. what you would remember, though, is your parents' reaction. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they were like, like one was like two months old. When wow. It happened. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then probably wouldn't even remember at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was in high school, so. As Abe and Megan walk, they see this group of boys, and she mentions there's a dentist there. I know people used to pull their own kids' teeth at home, no drugs, but screw that. And then, so along comes Father Flores, and he got he has a black eye. Because we saw him earlier, and he tells Megan she shouldn't talk like that. You mean say screw that? Is that what he's referencing? Yeah, and it's like that's go so fuck stupid. yourself. <laughs> that's so stupid. Anyway, that's that's. Mm. It, it, I could see if they had put like a the symbols, like if she had said fuck that. I think the whole world has a little yeah, bit of Yeah, then phrases like that's ridiculous. Aren't those the same kids that? Um... We saw punching the priest earlier. Yeah, and that's yeah. That's the guy making the potion. He's probably telling him all about his pot growing friends. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're right. That is. We're seeing Tony, and he dressed yeah. down just like he told him to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank you for picking up that, Aubrey. Father Flores. He thanks them for coming to meet him, but Abe's like, "We were just taking a walk." Of course. Well, I'm very sorry for your loss. I'll see you back at your house. And Father Flores leaves. And so as they're walking off, Megan, she kind of gestures to Abe like, did you see that black eye that he had? Yeah. Megan says they didn't have a funeral for her parents. And she tells Abe that it's insulting how people talk to her. It's like when parents bitch about, sorry, when parents put down music. So she tries to, you know, watch her language there, I guess, because Father Flores just said something. And she's like, like, it's not as good as when they were young. It's not like that at all, Megan, Abe says. And she's like, really? And it's got like the little icicles on it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I like that effect. Abe says, for me, I know you were in Gene's cult. And I know how he talked about me. He was wrong, Megan. I don't have anything to do with this stuff. Whatever similarities you saw between me and the monsters, the crazy stuff, that's insulting. But you do have something to do with it, right? I mean, big deal, Megan says. I'm not worried about you being linked to, you know, whatever. Well, that makes one of us, Abe says. Back with Tony and Arbogas, Tony says he's ready for his practice ritual, the trial. Arbogas says, the rapture we are about to bring about is far more than voodoo. Voodoo is just what you're selling those fools who tremble at the greater truth. Back with Abe and Megan, Abe mentions Hellboy taught him that. If you're in a strange town without good recon, kids can tell you more than adults. He was able to use that more than I did, Abe says, even though he sort of spooked kids. They'd seen his picture. I didn't go public until later. Megan mentions that when Abe showed up, Carmelita put her to bed. They were afraid she would be afraid. But they probably forgot that she was in that cult. Megan, Abe interrupts, it's alright to be afraid. We all fear change. There's been a lot to be afraid of. You, Megan says, you're talking about you. Sometimes an adult says something... They pretend to be talking about themselves, or like in the third person, but they're really trying to say something about me. They're trying to teach me something about myself. But you really are talking about you, Again, Abe. she is spot on with this. Right. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how insightful. I also like how we're learning how intelligent and you know observant she really is. And in the entire, in the issues before this one, they were talking about how they keep treating her like a child. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. you see her acting. Because of what they wanted. Yeah. It's because what they want is they want a kid right. to be like, oh, look at the hopeful little baby innocent children. Sure, and she's like, yeah. the world is different. You need to adapt to that right now, you stupid motherfuckers. Yeah. 
And she's like, uh, basically, when you're trying to talk to me like I'm a little kid, it says way more about you than it does about me. So maybe right. you should like examine yeah. that. I'm not your therapist. And it's very, <laughs> I just really like her very matter of fact way of speaking to people. Oh, yeah. Like, no, actually, you're belittling me. And that's to your detriment because I have things to contribute to your very, very sad sack lifestyle. Over at the house. Grace sees Elliot's body. I guess he cut his own throat or something, right? Because he's got like a bandage there or something. Yeah. Either he yeah, cut his that's own? When he was looking in the mirror, right? I think he just wanted to end it all or whatever he was looking at was done with him Harsh. and forced his hand. Mm. See, that's what I'm going to say. Either he did it or whatever. He, I'm going to say Argos because I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Uh, one of the, you know either he did it or the mirror did it right just like he killed that guy with the voodoo doll or whatever yeah. and i guess he could do that too grace says she'll try and find megan and jimmy offers to go along diana meets up with father flores who's arrived at the house now and he asked to see gene but diana says megan could also benefit from his counsel and suddenly there's this guy tuck and he wakes up so tuck we learned his story in the last week's episode so he was um, partially turned by the mist, by the red gas, and then they said Diana saved him, but then he kind of became like, kind of like uh, impaired mentally, I guess, or something like that, right? Yeah. I, I would, thought it was just like mentally inactive or something. Sure. Yeah. And so here he kind of like comes alive. And there's also this artistic effect, right, where his word balloon is like purple or something yeah. like that. So I think that kind of like lends that... He sounds like maybe supernatural or yeah, otherworldly. Yeah, I mean, that lets us know what's going on. You know, that it's not just like, this guy's acting weird or right. something. He says, Diana, you boast of having healed me, brought me back from the horror, but am I whole? Is this the expression of your power, of your goddess? Or is that why you bring a priest to your home? Diana's immediately like, it's not Tuck. You aren't Tuck. Then who, he says, who could reach you in this town protected as it is? What power sits beneath the nose of the priest? Clearly, you want to tell us, Diana says. Leave Burnham, you sacred flock. You healed Tuck before, turned a monster to a mere invalid. Bless you, Diana. But can you chase me out when next I come? And then so Tuck falls back. And of course, this freaks everyone out when it's over, including Father Flores. He's like, Mother of God, what was that? Overdramatic bitch, just about everything. <laughs> and Diana, she says something here. She says, Grant me your knowledge as long as I face the darkness, your strength as long as I face the adversary. It used him because he's weak. It is weak, that thing that was inside him. So why call our attention to it? It had something to do with Elliot's death. Elliot's death was as it appeared. He cut his own throat, pressed a blade to his own hand. But the thing that came to Tuck, it had come to Elliot before we were ever here. And we cut over to Abe and Megan. I like how they're just lying, looking at the sky. Like, I think that that's really, that's a sweet moment. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really nice touch. Abe has always been willing to take those moments, though. Yeah. People, which I think it's a strength of his, for sure. Yeah. And Megan recalls having to be in the car between two 18-wheelers and being scared of being crushed okay, like I a bug. I fucking hate that. I will actually avoid it if I can. No, absolutely will avoid that all We get costs. a lot of 18-wheelers here in Texas. Really hate that. Even just one is bad enough. But right? Like, yeah. That's how the sky looks, Megan says. If it comes down a little lower, it looks like it'll grind us into the dirt. But the world wasn't always like this. I mean, when I was little, 
Did I just not notice the sky? No, Megan. It wasn't always like this, Abe responds. I just really like that moment. I like that did I just not notice the sky line. I think that that uh, can apply to anybody, you know. Really nice character moment there. And so we cut to Megan, and she's reading the tarot for Abe. So, you know, Diana had showed her some stuff, and now she's trying it out with Abe, which I think is uh, really cute. Yeah, it's great. They talk about him fixing a mistake he made. Not the BPRD. They talk about Abe's place and his destiny. Do you see how big this is, Abe asks? There's no way one guy... It's not about the monsters people are fighting, Megan says. It's the monsters we'll be replaced by. This is what I'm saying. This is the the arc where I really started to wonder, there's more to Abe than he or any of us realize. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're hinting at it big time, right? But is it past, future? It has yet to come into focus. Right. You know, it's almost a distraction that you have this nice moment between two characters. If I knew more about tarot... Does this mean something? What right. you know is are there clues here? It's just <laughs> it's intriguing. The fear is that the human race has run its course, Megan says. But that's not what this is about. These cards aren't about the big picture. It's the here and now. And there is a fight you walked away from that you can make right. There are an awful lot of swords in this reading. Right. I just wanna And she holds up the judgment card at the end. There's I mean there's a tower, there's a fucking Nine of Swords here. There's what are all the sword cards? Swords. Tell us a little bit about that. The, well, the sword suit is not the happiest suit. I guess it's not the it's not the most. You're gonna have a lot of drama. It's a lot. Of, it's it's a hard. It's a tough. It's mm. a hard suit. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I'm wondering on this right before she starts reading. You know, if you see the tarot reading, it's a lot of swords. Jeez. There's um, it looks like a, a peri peri rabbit eating a turtle. Oh right, yeah. I mean. Why is that panel there? That's got to be significant for some reason. The, or maybe the, it's a red herring. This prairie dog is eating a turtle. Yeah, we do see that. I didn't even make. I didn't even comment on that. But yeah, that is like um, kind of some gruesome wanna, imagery that is that. just thrown in there. I don't like looking at it. Like the turtle is an amphibian and Abe's kind of an amphibian. Right, so. right. Oh, maybe it's foreshadowing what's about to happen, right? We see some exhumed graves. And then we see these zombies, and they're coming right for Abe and Megan. <sighs> so maybe that's what the prairie dog eating the turtle was kind of like representing. Refer- representing, yeah. Chapter four, Arbogast. And we open, we, we kind of get this previous scene again. So we already saw this scene, but we're like um, refreshed to it here. It was the part where we see Arbogast and Tony, and they're messing with that green dust in the soda bottle. Arbogast says it creates a miracle for the dead, but you don't want to see what it does to the living. They walk outside to another house, and they have more of those green those bottles with the green stuff, and a bunch of dead bodies on the floor. Arbogast says, The rapture will see the return of all dead, lest this hell on earth go on forever. Yeah, so, I mean, I imagine this room would smell terrible, right? I mean, it's just uh, like yeah. dead bodies just like all over the floor. I was like, what the hell? No, no, that no, shit. it's lovely. <laughs> lovely this time of year. <laughs> the bodies are in season. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would be holding my shirt over my face. Right, or yeah. You're not going to even catch me in there. Later, Arbogast makes a figure out of wax. We also see a razor and blood. He's trying to imbue it with a spirit, but can't find it. He says, We serve the same master, you and I. Our work so close to done. I command you, by the most powerful name of Shaddai, the Lord God. 
And so Shaddai, that's one of the names given to God in the Hebrew Bible. And when he's talking, he looks like he's talking to that bottle again, that we see that purple bottle there. The next day, we see Arbogast with the bottle. And then we see this very creepy, super effective panel in the middle. Is that Tuck? Yeah. That is so unsettling, that little panel right there. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if the razor blade is representing um, when Elliot took his life oh you're that's what it is yeah you're absolutely right that is and what it is so that's probably because you know we started in, in like with something we'd already oh, seen right. and this is just catching us up this me. is catching us up so maybe yeah. when this um this wax doll that he's like playing with maybe that's how he possessed tuck yeah i love that thank you aubrey tony comes in and we're back at the scene where he said he was ready for his practice ritual so we see them doing this ritual and it's very similar to what we saw in the story to the last man. They have a little skull of what looks like a kid. It's tied to a person with red thread, just like in that other story. And people are playing bongos. And we also see this gun nearby. And so Arbogast, while this is going on, he kind of like, there's like a question mark. Like he's like, huh? And then he goes and he gets the gun. And we also see that purple bottle. Over with the family gang, Grace hears the drumming. And ask Jimmy about it. So right when Grace is like, is that drumming? I'm like, oh shit, they're right next to each other, right? It starts to kind of like put it all back in. You're like, oh shit. Now you're like kind of back in the story. Arbogast comes out and he kind of deflects them. So yeah, they're right there. And so Arbogast is trying to prevent them from coming in and seeing what they're doing. He has that gun behind his back. Grace asks him if he's seen Megan. And Arbogast says... He has to go back to what he was doing, but he feels bad he can't help her. So he tells her to come back later to talk. And Jimmy's like, uh, thanks, mister. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You can already tell he doesn't like him. Arbogast goes inside. God damn it, Tony. In just that little bit of time, now Tony's dead and all the dead bodies are gone. And we see the outlines of those of the green dust on the ground, just like we saw in that other story. He wasn't even gone that long. I know, damn right? It, Tony, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, five minutes. <laughs> and suddenly Tony comes alive, zombie style. And he grabs that Arbogast's leg and Arbogast has to shoot him. And yeah, so and, and I'm, I'm sure he's like, Tony, you had one job. I know. <laughs> Resurrect the dead, command them. That was it. Don't get killed. It blew it. it. And this was his practice run, too. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, rehearsal. <laughs> and so Arbogast, he goes running for this busted down door. So it looks like maybe all the zombies like bursted out um, after they killed Tony. Yeah, like they went out the back. Right. Or something. Over with Diana. She's outside with Tuck, and she talks to Father Flores. She's telling him how she thinks something is protecting the town. Abe asked her if she distrusted it, she accepted its protection. So why did it do this to Tuck? Diana says it knows something about her. All it's done is announce itself. Why such a pointless gesture? You think it wants to trick you into attacking it, the father asks? See, Diana says, but whatever it is, if it doesn't come at me, perhaps it can't. And so we see Arbogast running, and then we also see Megan and Abe being confronted by those zombies. Look at the art. Look at these pages. This is amazing to it me. Really I is. love yeah. it. The, the layout, it looks like a splash page, but it's not. Yeah, and they do that a yeah. lot where there's kind of like this central image and then these two little panels kind of overlapping. I think in To the I Last like Man, yeah. there was a similar layout. I really like that. Yeah. And really good zombie work. And again, 
Um, just like we saw in that other story, we see the red thread, the little skulls, the green dust is coming out of there. So these are all kind of linked. Um, I saw tons of original art from this series last weekend. Oh, man. Nice. Scott, like, dumped out this FedEx box. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he was flipping through it real quick, and I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) It was amazing, man, to see, like, their pencils. Oh, yeah. The blue line. I saw artwork from stuff that comes way after this that was done on vellum. Oh, wow. wow. So what is vellum? What is that? Like tracing paper. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I was I was like, why is it on vellum? He's like, I don't know. He just wanted to do it that way. I was like, wow, it's so cool. Anyway, I'm off topic now. No, that's it. It's pretty you know, topic. Yeah, I was, no, I, that's I, awesome. I want to yeah, hear more was, about original art. I was flipping out, but at the same time, I was like, don't flip out. Be cool. <laughs> Be cool. Abe tells Megan to run. And then he just leaps at the monsters. And yeah, that panel is so dynamic as she's like running in the foreground. We just see Abe in the air. He kind of reminds me of Howard's there. How Howard's is always like jumping yeah. down on yeah. stuff. And we also see the judgment card falling in a puddle. I think it's interesting that they take this one little panel just to show that card falling in the water. I like that it's in water too. That Oh, that's too that, I think that's significant. Hmm. Really dynamic action here by Sebastian Fumara. Abe is like punching off heads. He starts getting overpowered. And one of these zombies, like the bandages comes off and one of the zombies gets all tangled up in the bandage. I really like this. There's a little story beat within that little zombie right there that I really enjoy. (laughs) Like Um, idiot zombie. Sure, yeah. Tangled in bandages. And we see Megan. She's still running off. So one of these zombies fucking bites him right where that bat creature, like, stabbed him. That is so messed up. And then, yeah, we see this one zombie that's all tangled up in the bandages, which I think is really funny. But that that panel of him getting bitten and screaming out is so, so powerful. And I love, just like you were talking about, Matt, it's kind of like a splash page. And you can kind of see all these lines all around it as he's screaming out. But these two other panels are kind of overlaid on it. I just really yeah, love that page. It's so awesome. It's like the dominant image. Yeah. So then and, he falls in water, right? Yeah, yeah, and it looks like he's getting all overtaken by the zombies. But I think that was a mistake of them to put him in the water. Oh, right, oh, right. right, yeah. And I feel like that card falling in, in water was, I don't oh, know. I don't, okay. I'm drawing a weird connection, but wait and see what happens here. Over with Grace and Jimmy, it seems like Jimmy thinks Arbogast likes nice young women like Grace, right? Nice. So he's kind of talking about that, how like Arbogast is being kind of a creep. Suddenly, Megan comes running up. We need Diana, she yells. And we see Abe. First, we see that reflection in the water. Or no, that's him. is that him under the water? He's underwater. Yeah, yeah he's so underwater there, yeah. You're thinking they got him, right? They overpowered him. They bit him. They're drowning him. Right. But wouldn't he's, he benefit from being yeah, in the water? Sure, the water. he's a fish man. Big mistake on their part when you turn the page. Yeah, he comes up and he picks up all the zombies. He he has that a, a lot where he picks up somebody by the neck or it's whatever. Good. We've seen that oh, a couple yeah. of times. But it's really awesome. That's like Black Flame style. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And I like how... So he picks up this one zombie, but it's like two of them are kind of like stacked. So then on the next page, we see that he swings one around and the other one goes flying. And then he like hits somebody else with that other body, which I think is great. And he's like, oh, come on. And he throws this one guy and he totally gets decapitated on this rock. 
The action oh. is so awesome in this. I really enjoy seeing Abe have such a dominant kind of fighting role. I kind of like this panel, too, on this next page where Abe kind of assesses the situation. It looks like he's kind of like, okay, there's a couple of zombies coming from over here. He just goes, all right. You know, he's trying to figure out how he's going to do this. But in the background, in the top <laughs> yeah, corner, the there's that one zombie in the back that's all in the band. I think that is so funny. It's a good, it's good <laughs> that's to have great. a little yeah, nice. beat of humor there. Yeah. So he doesn't have to worry about that one, I guess. <laughs> right. And so he reaches for this old bicycle. Again, this is so crazy and awesome. He just starts shredding him with his bicycle. He's just like swinging it around. It's pretty clever, yeah. Yeah, we see like arms flying off and they're just getting kind of totally all torn up by the metal frame. And I like how as he throws it and then one of the zombies is they're biting on the bicycle parts, right? Cuz they're he's like the squeaking. Yeah, I really like that. It's so cool. Yeah, just great. Just all these pages are really awesome, and all the little details. And they're like the zombie. Oh, the zombie with the bandages is still there. You still see him. Yeah, looks well, like he's, he's starting biting. to rip them off. Right? <laughs> it looks like he finally like, gets them off right there in that last panel. Oh, okay. making a comeback. I see. And then he totally gets his head blown off. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I didn't even catch that little wrap up to that little story, Epic. but that is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, his head gets blown off because Diego, Diana, and Father Flores are there to help. I like that you said it was a wrap-up. Good pun. Ah! Nice. <laughs> Diego calls for Abe to get away so he can get a clear shot. Great idea, Diego, Abe says. <laughs> and with Jimmy and Grace, Megan is now fighting to get away from them. So Jimmy won't let her go, and now she's trying to get away from Jimmy and all this stuff. Diego shoots at the zombies... And Abe calls on him to shoot another. And boom, Diego is shot. So, like, you know, they finally get a little bit of a comeback. And he's like, Abe's like, get her, Diego. And then we see Diego get shot. So just the just the pacing really hits you there. We see Arbogast with his bottle and a gun. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command. And the dead in Christ will rise, right. he says. Ugh. Yeah. If you take this panel out of context, it looks like somebody's running up with a gun, drinking their bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of this issue in the letter column, I posed this whole theory about how I thought Abe was going to be the one to take down the Black Flame. Oh. And I, and I was like, you know, Hellboy's in hell, Liz had her chance, blah, blah, blah. And uh, at the end, the reply from Scott is, uh, Matt. You think everyone's true purpose is to kill the black boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, though. That's awesome. Yeah. Chapter 5, Abe. Oh, and so I want to mention the this. The way you it, said that was Abe. Like, you're just... Like, Abe. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. <laughs> Goddamn fish man. One of the things that I did want to talk about, and we've seen it on a couple of these covers, are these little boxes. And so they talk about it in the sketchbook. I forget which two movies it is, but... The Fumaras base this off these movie posters, and uh, there's two specific ones they mention, but in the movie posters, it's like the big picture, and then it's got the little pictures of the actors along the bottom, and so that's kind of what this is here. We open back with Strobel. He's in New Brunswick on the shore of the St. Lawrence River, and it looks like he's washing his hands in the water. Or maybe he's letting the horse have a drink. I'm like, why why did they pull over here? So we can uh, have well, a moment last... with him. Or, just a dramatic moment. That's what I was going to say. Maybe he's water. like, maybe he's like Vaughn. I sense a good monologue coming on. Pull yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said he could smell the sea. In You're the right. Last one, yeah. Right? Yeah. 
I think they're just going to ditch the carriage finally. Right. Strobel wonders if the heart of fire could burn underwater. He says his powers are diminished, but earthbound spirits still whisper to him. They led him to that mountain town where he almost ran into Abe and Dark and Terrible. Why Abe, though? Antonis knew something. The secret fire, the Vril. But he didn't know all of it. Strobel says he has to return to the Black School to learn about the new power. Hasn't he been saying I need to get back to the Black School for like a few stories now? Well, I think that his plan was for to get the answers from Antonis, but then when that wasn't helpful, now then he was kind of like, well, I might have to go to the Black School. And then so, yeah, I think that he's been kind of teasing that. He's been monologuing about that for a while. <laughs> and and on this uh, on this top panel, is that the the priest, right? The priest that they were trying to hang him and he turned into that giant thing and then Abe had to fight him, right? Is that what that thing is there? Because then the BPRD showed up and they killed it, right? Oh, oh right. yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. That's back in Colorado. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I thought that was Colorado. Oh, whatever. I don't remember what city that was. Vaughn asks, who will teach him now? The student, Strobel says. He ties Antonis's skull to the bow of his sailboat and tells it that he has known suffering of the damned. He's been to hell and tortured and been tortured. And it is my great joy to know I have sent you there. As he says this to Antonis's skull, they take off into the water. So now they're, yeah, they've ditched the carriage now for a boat with the skull, and now they're going to go on this new adventure. Maybe they'll sing a sea shanty while they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope so. We're due for a good sea shanty soon. Back with Abe. Arbogast shoots at Abe while Abe is still fighting the zombies. So that while Abe is like, he's got this one around his neck and all this stuff, now people are shooting at him too. Arbogast yells that they were more suspicious of the weak-minded priest than of him. He says only one of them deserves the peace of the town. The miracle he created. I should have taken her and... Shut up, Father Flores says as he shoots a zombie... But so when Arbogast was saying only one deserves peace, was he talking about Grace? Because Grace, he had told her, why don't you come back later and we can talk? It might have been. That's who he's talking about here. I don't know. It's a small detail, but I wonder about stuff like that. And Diana, she just runs at Arbogast. Why'd you bring us here, old man? What did you do to Elliot? And she just gets shot by him. But it's kind of like, why would you just run at some guy with a gun, too? I was kind of like, when I saw her That's doing that, I was like, option. no. What other option does she have? I guess have? so, right. Yeah, well, I mean, she's supernatural, right? Oh, or okay, she has yeah. some ability. Sure. And if your distance is close enough, you can probably get to him yeah. and deflect the gun You've before. you got a chance. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a shot. Like, there's if there's nothing else, you don't have a gun, you can't just stand there and wait for them to shoot you. It's like, plus she's full of fucking rage. Right. You know. Maybe maybe she's running in a zigzag pattern. She could okay. be, yeah, serpentine. <laughs> yeah, that's what they always say to do. And so Arbogast shoots at her, and he says, Elliot, why the hell would I bring you? And then he's like, oh. Is he looking at the bottle when he says that? Does he see something in the bottle? Like, why does he go, oh. He doesn't know what he's doing. Right. right. He gets distracted or something right there. And Diana, she says, your soul returns with God and your bones with Santa Muerte. And she, like, sends this blast of energy at him. Kind of like we saw in Sacred Places. And we see the bottle fall on the ground and crack also. Arbogast says, Santa Muerte can't save Diana from the horror out there. Give me your blood, he beckons. And all of Diana's blood starts kind of like shooting out at him. I was like, oh my god, that is so awful. Crazy. Yeah. Arbogast says, 
Only he can preserve the soul. He made a contract between the heavens and the pit. I haven't only saved this town, he says. I've embraced a power you're too timid to face, raising the dead to draw God's attention so the worthy will be caught up together in the clouds. So that's what they're doing with this raising the zombies or whatever. He thinks that it'll help him get noticed by God or whatever. You hear me rolling my eyes. Oh, and then here's the part. (laughs) He says, Grace, you are worthy. You've seen hell firsthand. We suffer. We walk with the damned. So because she walked with Abe, right? So I think that, you know, he's like, oh, well, I have this familiar and you have Abe. So we're kind of the same. Why, Grace? Why not be reunited with those we have lost, those we love? And so is he making this fire pentagram here? Is that him doing that? that Yeah. 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 As he's doing this towards Diana, we turn the page and Abe just comes out of nowhere and just slashes him across the face. Great. Is so satisfying, but really? it's also just really gory and just, I don't know, just the motion of it yeah. and everything. It's just very kind of shocking. Well, look at how the pentagram's all broken up, like the little flames. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It broke that cool. spell, yeah. And then he falls back onto the bottle. Right, crushing so it. he crushes the bottle as he falls down. But Grace seems upset by that. Yeah, so that's interesting. I wonder if when Arbogast was telling her all this stuff, she was maybe buying into it a little bit, or maybe she because yeah. she was I already kind of was she was kind of already being charmed by him, People and even kind of want something to hang on to. They need something to believe right, in and just... even that guy Jimmy was like, "Oh, I thought he was kind of a creep." You know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. think she was kind of already thinking about him a little bit. And then when he starts telling her this thing, and then here comes Abe. Yeah, so she screams out as Arbogast falls to the ground, and suddenly it starts raining. Thunder booms and lightning strikes. Everything instantly goes purple. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Father Flores says it's not over. We hear laughing, and we see shards of the bottle. And so then we see the demon emerge, right? So yes. we talked about the demon familiar. This is so great. I don't think they mentioned the name here in the story, but it is in the sketchbook. This is Bifrons. He's a demon, Earl of Hell, with 60 legions of demons under his command. This is great. He teaches science and arts, the virtues of gems and woods, herbs, and changing corpses from their original grave into other places. I would like to be my best friend. So, 60 legions of hell? Yeah. Do you think he still has his legions now in the current state of hell? No, probably not. No, he's been on Earth trapped in that bottle this whole time. He goes back to hell. All right, my legions. And he's like, they're like, fuck you. I mean, he sounds like a pretty <laughs> cool guy, though. It says here he first appears as a monster, but then changes in his shape into that of a man. And so Bifrons appears, and he says, fool that he was, fooled to believe he could transform these lowly bodies to glory. Your god forsakes you, and he blows all this fire at them, and so Diana jumps up and tries to block that, and she's like, you, you were in Tuck, you used Elliot to bring us here, tell me why. I've taken my last command from a human, Bifrons says, Arbogast acted according to his nature. And so here Abe is like trying to fight him off too, but Bifrons just whacks him to the side with a sword. When he found me in that glass prison, he spared no expense to get it, enslaving me to his ends, using me to hasten his lord's stalled rapture. And you acted according to your nature, and you killed Arbogast. And as Bifrons is saying all this, Diana kind of, she starts glowing, kind of like we saw when she let out all that power 
in sacred places she kind of rises up to him and we kind of see the skull i think that's kind of like santa morte there maybe remember the skull in the sky oh right when she used her power yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and here as she kind of like she says back to hell and she sends this big blast and if you look at it it kind of looks like two eyes and a mouth it does look like a skull yeah it's a skull yeah 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 it's so cool and so they're having like this epic fight in the sky and so when she says back to hell he says no those gates are closed i never guessed i'd be here at the end cut off from hell it's not the end any of us imagined, is it? So we each vie for position, wielding that power we might, or yielding to that which we hope might best serve us. And we see flashbacks here of Strobel. He's uh, got, God, what was that one that appeared to him? Remember in Witchcraft and Demonology, this horse one appeared to him? Yeah, I can't remember his yeah, name, I can't remember his name. But either. that's him right but yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. But, which is so interesting for me to think about because Witchcraft and Demonology hadn't come out yet. So they already knew that they were going to incorporate this horse demon into Strobel's backstory, which I think is awesome to think about. We also see Liz. Yeah, she's... She's kicking some ass. Yeah, she's all fired up. She's got the full flame on, and she's fighting off some monsters. I really like this panel by Fumara, too. We don't get to see them draw Liz too much. Especially getting to draw her just going absolutely ape shit. Yeah, and so Bifron's blast Diana with this huge red energy, and it booms. And Diana, she kind of goes into this prayer position as she's falling down, and she says, Dearest Father... Grant me the strength to face our adversary who wants to separate me from my lord. Arbogast says, But all he did was spill my foot soldiers across this land where the greatest of all battles are sure to be waged. And he hits Diana with his sword as she's falling down and so she crashes to the ground. Arbogast didn't say that. Oh, did I say Arbogast? I meant Bifron, yeah. sorry. Yeah. But all he did was spill my foot soldiers across this land, Bifron says, where the greatest of all battles are sure to be waged. And Diana crashes to the ground and as she's rising up, she says, Blessed mother of mine, make your winds scare him. And so she gestures towards the sky. And then we see it looks like Bifrons is all dissipated or whatever. It's a really interesting effect how they yeah. did this. Yeah. He's like literally scattered by the winds, which I think is really interesting. Really cool effect. And, and then, then it goes green. Ah, okay. This is what you Remember were talking about. what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. So... There's that one green moment talking, you know, when Abe was talking about his past. And then it just hit me here at the end. The whole rest of the issue is this green color. Yeah. First it turned purple and then now it's green. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, if it were music, it would cue us back to that moment, maybe. Right. Yeah. I like that. And there's a bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We do see a bird to kind of signify that. This is Abe's issue. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. This is the uh, chapter five is Abe's issue. Yeah. In the aftermath, it looks like Diego is somehow still alive. He and Father Flores are carrying Diana. Abe talks to Grace, Megan, and Jimmy. We have to go, Abe says. It won't be safe here anymore. And he reaches towards Grace, but she recoils and says, Get away from me. Yeah, because like, he's reaching with his the blood still on his hand. Right. You literally have his blood on you, Grace says. Ah, Arbogast. Grace, you saw what he... You wanted this, Abe, she interrupts. And he's like, what? You brought this. You didn't want it to be easy here. You're scared and you're running from something. And Abe's like, no, Grace, that's why I... You just keep attracting this, Grace interrupts. It's the only way you know how to bury what's really going on, Abe. There's something dark in you, Abe. And I can't be around it anymore. 
and she turns around and hugs Jimmy. And we just see Abe standing there in the rain. And so he just starts kind of walking off. And Father Flores is like, Abe, the van is just over here. Because he's going a different direction. And then so Abe just turns around and yells at Father Flores, go! And we see all the birds kind of scatter because he screamed out so loud. And we see Diego take Diana into the van. Grace kind of like bangs on the side of the van like she's upset. And then so... Diego's like, Abe? And Father Ford is like, you heard what she said to him. And so inside the van, we see Megan, and she's like, no, Abe. And we see Abe, he walks past the dead body of Arbogast. He looks at his hands, and then he just goes in the water. And we see, um, as he's walking towards the water, we see that ghost of Edith Howard that we saw from Garden of Souls kind of there, too. So it's kind of like, I think this is interesting here because her story was so sad, you know, and we talked about how at the end of that story, there was finally kind of some reconciliation when he pulled back that curtain and revealed her in the light, you know what I mean? And so for her to show up here at the end of this story, I just think that really kind of signifies hearkening back to that. Yeah, Yeah, and I feel like Abe has been on dry land for a long time. It's oh, nice yeah. to see him dive in there, honestly, if yeah. I'm being real. It's nice to see that. And the color palette is very appropriate, too, for that page. Yeah, and so I he think, just he just goes off on his own. Yeah, I think this is Abe being like, okay, I, I gave civilization a shot. I, yeah. I tried to be with people. I tried to live like a person, right? That's not me. This is not what I'm meant for. Yeah, I don't a, know. I don't a good sight know. to see. He doesn't know what he is meant for. Yeah. But Abe in the water is not a bad thing. I think Abe swimming away is actually a good thing. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's a sad ending. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, I'm not really sure how I feel at the end of the story because I feel bad that all this stuff didn't work out. But then I also feel like this is probably the best thing. Like the whole time that he was with those people, I was kind of like, this is not going to work out. You know what I mean? And I felt like he was really trying to make a connection with Grace, too. And when she finally revealed to him all that stuff that happened, I thought it was kind of like a milestone or like now they can go forward. But it looks like that was like the peak, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I've been I've been really ready for him to move on. Honestly, it's almost like when she told him that it was like her releasing him from her or something Mm. like that, because it was like real soon after that. They, you know, you don't really ever see them together again. Right. Right. So uh, I should tell you guys, I've obviously read way beyond this a million times, but I've stopped reading past where we are in the reading order. Ah. Because I want to, I want to try and be where you guys are, right, okay. as much okay. as possible. Okay. So I don't exactly remember what happens, and I'm resisting reading ahead. But my hope at the end of this is that he's done trying to process whatever he doesn't know or whatever he's learned about himself, and he's ready to face whatever comes next. Right. And yeah. I feel like him diving into the water. Maybe he's going to Long Island. Long Island. He's trying. He's trying to Rhode face Island. his destiny. Rhode Island. Yes, but I think he's trying to face. Very different story. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like carnival rides yeah. or something. But I, I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to face his destiny one way or another. That's that's what I hope right. he's sure. trying to do. Yeah. I'm kind of over superhero Abe. I'm ready for big picture Abe. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, I, I mean, where's that getting him? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so now we're on page 384 in the sketchbook. I think this is really interesting here. Just seeing all the characters, you know, as the Fumaras have to draw this. They've got Arbogast, they've got Tony, Jean, Megan, Carmelita, Bato, Diana, Elliot, Jimmy, Tuck, Diego, Grace, and Abe. And so they have this huge cast, yeah. I saw the originals for those just now. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It blew me away, yeah. Crazy. um, Here on this next page, this is where... They say that Max took inspiration from the 1970s and 80s movie posters, The Poseidon Adventure and The Swarm. And so I looked up both of these posters. Oh, right. And they both have a big image on the top. And then on the bottom, they have all these um, pictures of the actors. The Poseidon Adventure. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's a famous poster. Yeah. We see all the character designs that uh, Sebastian Frumara drew for the different characters. And we just get to see a lot of their process here. That awesome flying monster that we saw that killed Gene. You know, we get a lot of good sketches of that. And some awesome pages of that whole process of the flying monster fight. Including that page where that big skull comes out that it slams into. It's really cool to see the black and whites for for that, just the inks. We also get more of their cover process, trying to come up with the different covers. It says here, for the Diana cover, they wanted to include the monster without spoiling it. So that's why you just see the wing of the monster on that cover. Mm. And so here's where they talk about the actual demon. The demon in the story has a vague description in the Lesser Key of Solomon, so Max wanted to create something very alien. In Mike's mythology, though, demons from hell have certain characteristics. And so on one page, we get Max Fumara's version of it. And on the next page, we get Mignola's sketches of it, which is more in line with how it looks in the actual comic. I always love seeing those Mignola sketches of the demons. They're so cool. Yeah, and we just get some really nice examples of the cover process with Max Fumara designing the trade paperback cover for A Darkness So Great, which I actually have. Yeah, so this is a this is a great cover, and it kind of incorporates all those different elements from the story. And I also like it incorporates that skull that was on the cover of Sacred Places story, too. So we saw that skull there where they introduced Diana and Santa Muerte, and then they also have it here, which I like. All right, so yeah, how did that Abe... You, you like that Abe story better than the ones we read last week? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cool, and I, you know, kind of got used to Abe being with all these different characters, and just for at the end for him to be on his own again, so, yeah, we'll see. It couldn't last. Yeah, it couldn't. But I'm excited to see what we have next for Abe. Well, I mean, this story kind of felt like it was like a complete, a continuation from the last story we read last week, and... Uh, well, we don't normally do that in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we always um, go, okay, we got to one point, now we're going to go to another story. Yeah. So this time we got to follow through on that. Right, right. We'll let Abe swim off for a little while longer before right. we come back to him. I'm really excited to get to this one. I think Matt is too. And so we'll have another great episode next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, share us your thoughts on Abe Sapien, a darkness so great. Send us your Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. And you can also find the Discord link on our Facebook page along with the reading order. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse.com for all the wonderful things they do. And also, always a special thanks to Paul from Gardahan for the lovely music he has provided for yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, Still think it should be... The opening <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, uh, thank you to Mark Tweedell for helping John in the with the reading order. And thank John, you, 
John for all the fucking editing and directing so and research and you know the just the awesome shit that he does love you damn guys yeah love you too man <laughs> uh, you can also find the podcast on podbean apple podcast spotify and wherever you get your podcast from next week we are going to be discussing Witchfinder, the mystery of unlin Witchfinder, Witchfinder. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what to do pull out your uh back issues digitals trades omnis do a little uh witchfinder seance and uh conjure up the images in your uh you <laughs> know scry pool, yeah. scry yeah, them in awesome. the pool and read them that way and Go if to you the do that library do that uh, just as cool <laughs> and join us next and join us next week on the hellboy book club podcast thanks a lot for listening everybody i'm john salinas and i'm Daniel. And I'm Matt Strackbine. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, I've taken my last command from a human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>